Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Each moment I wake up, ooh, yeah, ooh. There's more, right? Oh, before I put on my makeup Say a little before you. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, November 20th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's our weekly visit with legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson, the director of the Black Harvest Film Festival, Sergio Mims returns, and we welcome children's book author Robin Stevenson. And now your host, furthest thing from a children's book (laughs) author out there, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Millions Here, Millions There, Wednesday, and here's why. Article in the newspapers today, D, about uh, the city council finance committee meeting yesterday, convening yesterday to decide which taxes and fines and fees they're going to approve and which taxes, fines and fees they aren't going to approve. It's all part of the budget process, folks. It takes place every year, roughly this time. The mayor of the city of Chicago, in this case, Lori Lightfoot, proposes a budget, which she claims is balanced. She learned this trick or two from Mayor Rahm, Mayor Daley, who learned it from his dad. Always pretend a budget is balanced. Remember, a budget is merely a projection. You're projecting money to come in. You're projecting projecting expenses that you're going to have to go out and you always want to project lower expenses going out and more money coming in so you can claim the budget is balanced. Got that day? Sort yes. of like you and your uh, checkbook. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> I don't have a checkbook. <laughs> what year is this? You don't have a checkbook? No. You're kidding. Just go online. Get the debit card. You get everything you need there. Don't often... Oh, oh, I do have a checkbook. I'm sorry. I take that back. I do. I pay my rent with my checkbook. There you go. Oh, my go. God. Yeah, stop smoking pot. <laughs> you smoke too much reefer. Anyway, so they they project... Uh, they always protect a balanced budget because they want to say that they're fiduciary, fiduciary wizards who are looking out for your best interest. Uh, now, in the past, I've always said, you know, I don't think I would vote for this budget. It would be a ROM budget or a Mayor Daly budget. Just like a send a message. But I, I think I may have actually voted uh, for this one uh, yesterday, uh, D, in large part uh, because of the Uber tax. That's the big fight between Lori Lightfoot and Uber over fees. And uh, Uber says, we have a great plan that will raise $50 million uh, and provide more service for poor people on the west and south sides immediately. Immediately, I disbelieve them. I have no faith in them whatsoever. There is not a business, a large corporation in America today 
whose primary interests are to look out for the needs of poor black people on the west and south side. Sorry, I said it. Call me cynical. Say, oh, Ben, you're jaded. Well, I said it. So immediately I don't believe them and I believe Lori Lightfoot. In addition, uh, as we all know, Lori Lightfoot's uh, Uber tax is largely intended to discourage people from taking single rides uh, in the central business district. And uh, Uber wants you to get into their little cars. They want more money. Money, money, money. So anyway, I probably would have voted just to send a message to Uber. On the other hand, there's a few nickel and dime stuff as there is in every budget. I think I'll go through that. And they hit me hard, D. Yeah, and it's like, oh, let's go get Ben. Number one, did you see this? Tw- Wait, you didn't do number one. <laughs> I really missed the number one. $20 million by raising, uh, excuse me, $20 million by raising the tax on downtown restaurant meals to a whopping 11%. I'm reading this in the Sun-Times, Fran Spielman's uh, article. $20 million by raising the, re- D, I love eating out. That's really going to hit me hard, man. That's like the Ben tax. Do you think they're going to go after like Subway in that tax too? Do you know the details on that one? I don't know. Do a little deep dive. Number get one. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Quick on the draw there, uh, Roy Rogers. Uh, yeah, that, that that little tax, man. Talk about a nickel dime tax. You're going after people eat downtown. I think I've read somewhere that's like luxury meals. Somehow they're going to distinguish between a luxury meal. I'm not really. Once a year, the bowling team goes out for a steak dinner. Ugh, we're going to polish off a sirloin. Mm, mm, mm. So I think we'll, we'll be hit up there. But otherwise, and I think my Subway sandwich uh, visits will be under the radar. So I'm okay there. There's, uh, oh God, this is coming after me, D. $7.8 million by raising hourly parking meter rates to $7 in the loop, up from $6.50, and to $4.50 in the Central Business District. Here's the part where they're coming after me. Dennis knows exactly what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, that would be followed by annual cost of living adjustments. Meters also will be installed in a broader area of the loop. And the West Loop, as Dennis knows, when I drive, I have a tendency to park like a mile and a half god <laughs> i believe that uh we're all better if we walk so I, I make dennis walk every day come on d let's walk move the legs move your arms let's go one two one two it's like a mile and a half walk from where i park to the studio uh but in addition because I park in some far off distant point, which I will not reveal because I don't want to give my secrets away. Oh, smart, smart. Yes. Come on. I got a feeling though, they're gonna they're on to me, D. I think the city's on to me. Oh, we're gonna get Ben. They're gonna expand the 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 meter district out to where I am. Somehow or other, there's no meters where I park, as you know. Um, so I think that's they're coming after me. So between the restaurant tax, which is after going after me and my bowling buddies, and the meter, uh, expanding the meters, they're really going to come after me. Finally, there is an authorization of $1.5 billion refinancing of city debt, folks. That's all the money that we pay in interest to all the banks who lend us the money. Uh, because we're not that really great at fiduciary oversight, despite all the proclamations of every single mayor that has run this city, going back to Daddy Daly uh, in the 50s and 60s. The reality is that we borrow a huge chunk of the money we need to pay our basic obligations and run our city, and that every year, a good chunk of that is interest to bankers. So just squeeze me. 
and give the money to bankers and throw a parking meter in that secret spot that I've discovered way west uh, from the West Loop. Where's it at again? I am not saying. I will not. You thought you were tricky there. I'll I'll get him to reveal where that secret spot is. No, no, no. Anyway, folks. What street? Not gonna. Cross streets, maybe? What's it? Buy? Like, is it buy a Burger King? Buy, buy American Pie. Is it buy a Burger King? There's no Burger King anywhere near, is there? I don't know. Is there? <laughs> I don't What think is by so. there? Factories. Aha. <laughs> no one will know where I park. Actually, I have a feeling uh, that this will just make me move further west. So, D, look forward to a two-mile walk oh, to the studio every day. And I'm really looking forward to that in the pouring rain. Anyway, we have a great show today, everybody. I'm paying for, I've decided that I'm in a good mood because I'm paying for city government through my restaurant taxes on the delicious sirlines the bowling team and I have, and the new parking meter tax. You're welcome, city of Chicago. We have a great show today. Monroe will be here. Monroe Anderson. Oh, my God. He's so fired up, D. Right. Right now, he's still listening to the impeachment. Uh, uh, yeah. Pros- I talked to him earlier today. Uh, he is fired up by the testimony today. Donald Trump. Yeah, they nailed him. It's pretty obvious that Donald Trump was extorting. Uh, it's, all he wanted was a press conference, a press statement. Hey, Ukraine, you want that money to defend yourself against Russian a- attacks on your border that are killing uh, hundreds of people? Just hold a press conference and say you're investigating Joe Biden. You don't even have to investigate him. Just have a press conference and say you're investigating him. And then I could tweet out, "Uh, Crooked Joe. Crooked Joe's up to no good in Ukraine. Unbelievable. Uh, So they got him pretty much. uh, Gordon Sutherland's testimony today. Monroe will be talking all about that. Sergio Mims will be in the studio as well. We'll be previewing. Sergio. Sergio Sergio. Mims. Pride and Joe. Sergio. Of the Black Harvest Film Festival. We'll be previewing previewing tonight's debate. Uh, And then later, uh, as a bonus i'm really looking forward to this one of the most popular features we did over the summer uh sergio and uh, chris adams and uh came in and we did a uh, a round table on once upon a time in hollywood today we'll be doing one on uh the irishman cannot wait we'll be talking mob movies that's a bonus that oh. the bonus feature we, we'll, we'll drop it next week d Okay. Uh, and so I'm really, really looking forward to that. And then Robin Stevenson will be in here. I hope. I haven't had confirmation. Let me see my phone. Nope, still no confirmation. Uh, <laughs> she is a, a children's author, and uh, there was a story about her in the Tribune last week. Uh, she was going to give a reading in Wheaton, uh, and they pulled the plug on her because her book, in her book, uh, she mentioned Harvey Milk. It's one of my favorite uh, topics. Political correctness from the right. You always hear the the right crying the blues about how the, uh, the, the lefties are snowflakes. What's that sound like? <laughs> I'm so sad because I can't insult people. I just can't insult them because the left won't make me. They're snowflakes. They call the left snowflakes because the left complains about being insulted by them. And when they complain about the left, they're crying like little babies. So who's the snowflake? I want the right to insult absolutely everybody I don't agree with. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, maybe you hurt their feelings, you know, but apparently the right can have their feelings hurt. There was a mention in Robin Stevenson's book of Harvey Milk, who was um, the uh, alderman, city councilman in San Francisco, the first openly gay city councilman uh, in San Francisco for 10 trivia points. Who played Harvey Milk in the movie Harvey Milk? Oh, um... Franco. 
uh, James Franco. No, <laughs> negatory. James Franco was in the movie. Oh. He played a friend, I want to say, of uh, Harvey Milk. The answer is Sean Penn. That's correct. Uh, thank you, uh, Robert Mueller. Anyway, uh, I always love it. The rights, oh, they're sobbing. And they kept her, they kept her from doing a reading in the school, but apparently she got to do a reading after all. So it's interesting. Take a little deep dive into the hypocrisy of the right. You know, they want to be protected when their little feelings are hurt by something that the left says. But they claim the right to be as mean and nasty and as uncivilized as they want in rhetoric to the left. Double standard. Anyway, that's our show today. Before we get to any of that, though, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton. Oh, yeah. They call him the doctor. He's got the news. (laughs) Hi there. How's it going, everybody? Uh, ben, what's it sound like when Republicans are crying again? <laughs> oh, <I'm so laughs> All of our Republican listeners out there, please stay tuned. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Uh, before, before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or <laughs> Illinois this afternoon, the Ooh. Benny J YouTube live stream is hopping at Ooh. the moment. All right. People are weighing in here. Uh, we got here Steven. Steven weighed in. He says, a new game. Shots every time Benny makes a pre-1970 reference. <laughs> Pre nineteen no pre I would say Stephen uh, pre nineteen eighty a lot of these are seventies references yeah seventies big decade for me seventies and then Brianna says uh, uh, yeah we'll be drunk by the end of each show <laughs> what scares me is that I know most of these references uh, did she know the song I sang <laughs> oh my God what was the song that uh, he sang uh, Brianna please wait uh, oh my God that. if if I conveyed that song to Brianna. For those who download, uh, we open up, we make sure that uh, everybody can hear us. We test our audio with Ben's song of the day. And what was today's song of the day, Well, ben? today's song was, I can't remember what song it's. Oh, Say a Little Prayer for You was today's song, written by, by ten, Brianna, who wrote that song? <laughs> Brianna, who, oh, wait, she's not in the room. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got carried away. Uh, that song was written by Burt Backrack. Now, see, that's a tricky thing. Steve said, well, uh, there's uh, pre-1970s. I believe the version that I love the most by Aretha Franklin is a 70s version, D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who cares? Okay. <laughs> oh. J.B. Pritzker began his Wednesday in North Lawndale to celebrate a new family community resource center. Now, Northdale is obviously in Chicago, Cook County, but Ben Jarofsky, did you know that there's a Lawndale that no, that's nowhere near Chicago yeah. in Illinois? Of course. Oh, you've been? Yeah, it's, it's just south of Alton. Okay, on Highway lying. 82. You're lying. Isn't there a Highway 82? Lawndale <laughs> is a community in Logan County, Illinois. Which is? Northeast of Springfield. Oh. The town lies on Interstate... 44. 55. <laughs> 44 is like near Missouri. <laughs> is there really a yeah, 44? Highway 44. Wow. It's like Missouri going like t- towards Oklahoma. Uh, but the town lies just south of Kickapoo Creek. I've heard of Kickapoo Creek. Really? There's a isn't there a, a, a music festival at Kickapoo Creek? I don't think so. It has one tavern, a grain elevator, and a converted mobile home as its post office. Man, we got to get down there to uh, Lawndale, <laughs> get a ride on that elevator. I, I would like to do a remote there at that converted. Uh, what was that? The converted trailer? Uh, that's now the lawn. The, <laughs> yeah, the, the post, post office. office. I would definitely do a remote there. And Sounds like my kind of town. So uh, he's not in that Lawndale. He's right. in North Lawndale in Chicago. Uh, and then he's off to Chicago State University to make a capital announcement. Oh, what's that about? What could that announcement be, you may be wondering? Well, we don't know. We're clueless until that update becomes available. And, of course, 
when it becomes available, we'll let you know. So in the meantime, let's speculate, huh? <laughs> That's always fun. Yeah. Because I have a guess as to what his announcement could be. The following comes from Illinois Politico. And Ben, her trip to the state capitol may have paid off after all. Governor J.B. Pritzker vowed to support Mayor Lori Lightfoot's proposal to tweak the Chicago casino tax rate, but shot down the idea for a constitutional change to pension benefits. We mentioned this yesterday. Governor Pritzker met with a crowd of business leaders on Tuesday. Now, yesterday it was being called a fireside chat, but... Mm -hmm. Maybe they all realize that that sounds like an event from 1910 because <laughs> today we're being told that it was not a fireside chat. No, no. It was an economic club luncheon meeting. Oh, okay. So did they, did they issue a correction? No correction has oh, been made. Okay. But you know, Ben, maybe there's something to these luncheon things. What's that? Maybe they make you feel confident or something. Because yeah. uh, during this luncheon, literally the richest politician in America, J.B. Pritzker, mm -hmm. was indeed feeling himself. Listen to this quote from Pritzker when addressing Mayor Lightfoot's proposal on Springfield, helping out Chicago uh, to get out of this budget deficit a bit. Here's the quote from J.B. Quote, when the mayor of Chicago comes to the governor <laughs> and asks the legislature to help, I see it as my job to do that. Okay, okay JB. <laughs> All right, JB, right. feeling it. All right, JB. <laughs> He's feeling it. Yeah. yeah. Snap my fingers, twist a few arms. Uh, this is on the casino, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, I, I don't want to undercut uh, the significance of the governor helping the mayor, but, you know, everybody wants a casino. The, the, I'm sure everybody in that room... Uh, for the fireside chat, not a really a fireside chat, whatever it was, or well-to-do business people are in favor of casino because they're going to make the money off the casino by soaking the suckers and saps who show up for the casino. So, yeah, I could understand why. And plus, now here's the tricky part, and, and this is where you got to keep your eye on that ball because what Lori Lightfoot wants the state to do is lower the amount that the government's will take from the casino so they can raise the amount that the operator of the casino can make. So who's going to pay more? Uh, who's going to give up more to the operator, the state or the city? Uh, that'll be a fight. Uh, so if, is, is uh, Governor Pritzker saying, all right, I'll cut back on the amount of revenue that the state's going to get? Well, I'm sure the state's already anticipating some of that revenue as well. So maybe easier said than done. Uh, promising to help a Lori life. Unless the city just takes the casino itself and runs it. There more, was that idea was floated for a while. Remember more, that? More on the casino proposal here. Uh, by the way, Lightfoot is looking to change the effective tax rate on a Chicago casino cut from 72% to roughly 40%. Governor Pritzker said that he expects it will be, quote, tackled in the spring session. All right, Jarofsky, you're now in the hot seat, buddy. Are we buying any of this? Is Pritzker really going to help us out on this budget? Or is this just Pritzker playing hot shot in front of a bunch of business owners who are more than likely drooling over <laughs> literally the richest politician in America, J.B. Pritzker? I'm J.B. Pritzker, and I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> I think it's more the latter at this moment, D. As I was saying, uh, the hard part of the re, uh, rewriting the casino law is figuring out who's going to give up his portion of the take for the operator. Is... Are the city of Chicago going to lose money uh, or is the state going to lose money? Are they going to split it down the middle and each lose the same amount of money? I don't know. That's the wheeling and dealing. Or will the city of Chicago itself run it? Or will they find an operator willing to run who can make, uh, I think they, they would get 
28% of the proceeds. There's got to be somebody out there. Your your Uncle Eldon would do it for 28% of the pro- profits, wouldn't he, D? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's so funny. Like, Well, we did a report, Lori Life, they did a report, and nope, can't find a casino operator anywhere in America who's willing to uh, tackle uh, running a casino for 28% of the take. I got to believe there's somebody out there who would do it, D, so... During a Q&A at this luncheon, the governor was asked about pensions. The question, if people are willing to have, quote, shared sacrifice and support the graduated income tax, then why not ask for shared sacrifice across the board and limit the growth of the public employee pension plans? Pritzker said it's wrong to connect those two proposals. A constitutional amendment for a graduated income tax is already headed for the 2020 ballot for voters to consider. Yeah, all right. Well, this is a crowd of uh, well-to-do business people, as uh, Dennis said earlier. And so they were probably applauding, or as John Lennon would say, oh, here we go. There's a pre-70s reference for you, Stephen. Take a shot. John Lennon, a lead singer and one of the lead writers for a group called the Beatles that were very popular in the 1960s. If you're driving, please don't drink liquor. Uh, and uh, anyway, John Lennon used to say, uh, you know, the people in the front row, just, uh, you know, jang- don't cheer, just uh, jangle your jewelry. Anyway, uh, so they were jangling their jewelry and cheering, uh, you know, uh, that suggestion, that question uh, that uh, middle class pensioners give up their money. So uh, uh, listen. J.B. Pritzker is a billionaire, it's true, but he uh, ran on the uh, platform of a populist. He said he would impose uh, a fair tax, would make wealthier people like him pay a greater uh, portion of the state income tax, and he would not cut pension benefits. And wealthy people who uh, were the type that were at that speech or his fireside chat uh, want a cut in pensions because the less money they pay to pensions, the more money there is to pay for things they want, like a greater share of the casino take. All right. It all comes around and full circle. By the way, a front page story uh, in today's uh, Chicago Tribune, excellent article uh, by Alexia Ruiz uh, for 50,000 using food stamps, job rule looms. Uh, there's going to be food stamp cuts uh, in Cook County. And uh, so it's interesting. They're cutting food stamps for people, uh, the working poor and the poor. Uh, and meanwhile, the uh, the well-to-do are cheering on, uh, urging Pritzker to cut uh, benefits for geezers, uh, retirees, uh, municipal pensioners. Come on, God, come on. Come on, Pritzker. Stand strong on this. Now, I know you can get a lot of accolades, pats on the back. They're going to love you forever uh, at whatever wealthy club you uh, hang out with them but you ran as a populist so stay true to that stay true to that and come on let's cut that deal we want to go gambling (laughs) that sounds like pac-man oh my god that did sound like pac-man all right moving on the news broke yesterday during the show and if you're a chicago political junkie like this guy sitting next to me you knew this was already coming but it's official Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox Mm. is running for re-election. She kicked her campaign off yesterday with a two-minute political campaign ad. We had our good friend and president of the Chicago Principals Association, Troy LaRabier, on the program when it happened. By the way, if you missed it, don't worry. You can download all of our shows, both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, or wherever else you download podcasts. I'm working on the TuneIn Radio app, by the way. Uh, Doogie asked about the TuneIn Radio app. You love the TuneIn Radio app, right, Ben? I own one. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, the whole app, huh? Yeah. Wow. All right, we heard a bit of uh, the ad yesterday and in moments. We're going to play the whole thing. But first, Ben, real quick, 
Thoughts on the portion of the ad that you heard? Well, okay, the por- the portion that you played yesterday, uh, as opposed to the one you're going to play today. The, I'm playing the entire thing oh, today. Oh, yeah, all right. Well, the one that we played yesterday was really accentuating uh, her humble beginnings uh, from Cabrini Green uh, to talk about, to give people a sense of what an inspirational story she has, uh, that she rose out of, uh, uh, I guess, poverty. Uh, she grew up in public housing, and she became a lawyer, and now she's the chief prosecutor in Cook County States uh, for the Cook County uh, State's Attorney's Office. So it's an inspiring story for Kim Fox. Now, okay, this is her second time around that she's telling that story, and it's hard to understand. I don't know if voters are going to buy it right now, but it's very important that she deflect attention from Smollett Gate. And the full portion that you're going to pay, play now, D, gets into Smollett Gate. So let's hear what she has to say about it, and then we'll unpack it. It's different now, but I grew up at Larrabee and Division, better known as Cabrini Green. It's where I learned to be tough, to survive, overcame poverty and sexual assault. For years, the name Cabrini Green was synonymous with racism and poverty, and the towers were symbols for inequality and injustice in Chicago. Time passed and the projects came down but those problems haven't changed. Now new names symbolize injustice. Names like John Burge and Laquan McDonald. Four years ago, I ran for state's attorney to change criminal justice in Cook County. I'm running again because we're only getting started. State's attorney is a tough job. Every day my office is under attack. From a president who uses our city as a punching bag, the NRA hell-bent on letting guns flood our streets, and the FOP clinging to the old ways. They'll do anything to undercut progress, including attacking me personally over the Jesse Smollett case. Truth is, I didn't handle it well. I own that. I'm making changes in my office to make sure we do better. That's what reform is about. But we all know those attacks aren't just about one case. They're about stopping progress in Cook County. And those voices won't tell you that on my watch, we're prosecuting more violent crimes, not just low-level offenses. That gun prosecutions are up. That we're a national model for reform. And that while they focus on headlines, we put the killers of Hadia Pendleton and Tyshawn Lee behind bars. So hear it from me, a girl from Cabrini, and a woman standing up to that old boys club. We're on the right path to reforming criminal justice in Cook County and making the system work for everyone. But there's still work to do, and I need your help. Join me. Jeff Manuel on the piano. (laughs) All right, that was a pretty clever pivot. I'm glad you played the whole thing, and I heard the whole thing. Um, All right. Let's unpack this a little bit. As you all know, uh, I call it Smollett Gate. It's Jesse Smollett. deals with the actor who made up the complete contrivance, which I think everybody agrees. He just made it up that he was assaulted by a couple of MAGA hat-wearing uh, Trump supporters of the Chicago Police Department when they got, when they heard his report. Obviously, they didn't believe it, and they sent, I forget how many uh, man hours were spent dedicated to uh, proving that uh, he had made it up. Uh, and in the middle of all that investigation, uh, uh, 
Kim Fox took a phone call from a big time political operative named Tina Chen. I can't believe I still remember this stuff. They got to give me credit, man. I'm just doing this off the top of the head without notes. And she took a phone call from Tina Chen. Tina Chen said uh, the family's very concerned about uh, quotes coming out from uh, unsourced quotes coming out from the police department. They would like the, the, the matter turned over to the FBI for investigation. Uh, at that point, uh, sometime thereafter, Kim Fox herself called Eddie Johnson, the police chief, city of Chicago, and expressed her concerns, conveyed her concerns. Uh, when all was said and done, the case was not handled uh, hand over to the uh, FBI. Of course, when all was said and done, charges were uh, leveled against Justice Millett for making the whole thing up, and then those charges were dropped, uh, and he cut a deal with uh, Kim Fox. So, yes, t- it, I think it's pretty clear, it's pretty evident that she has to quote, uh, I didn't handle it well, I own that. Yes, you didn't handle it well. Uh, in fact, you did a disservice to the movement that you represent by the way you handle it. You've given ammunition to all the right wingers out there who want to drive you from office. Uh, so, yes, <laughs> to put it mildly, uh, it was a bad move by you. And uh, will it lead to her political downfall? D? I do not think so. And I'll tell you why. And I just addressed this in a reader our column just the other day. The hypocrisy out of the Republican Party is so putrid. It's so offensive that they're making such a big deal about how Kim Fox handled the Smollett case uh, and looking the other way or defending Donald John, John Trump as he intimidates witnesses, uh, as he defies subpoenas, as he orders aides not to testify, as they mock and malign anybody who dares to, to come forth under oath to talk about how, how he was shaking down the Ukrainian president. We're not, and that's just one episode of Republicans looking the other way at Donald John Trump's crimes. Donald John Trump was uh, taking money that people had given to his charity and spending it uh, for like buying a portrait for one of his hotels. Uh, Donald John Trump, I think he has at least 17 or 18 accusations, public accusations of sexual assault or sexual harassment from various women in this country against him. Not a word out of the Republicans. So when Kim Fox makes that pivot, and talks about how she's been under siege by Republicans. She's sending a message to Democratic voters in Cook County and Chicago that the Republicans are a bunch of freaking hypocrites. They're making such a big deal about Smollett Gate, and they're looking the other way at all of Donald John Trump's crimes. And you know what, D? I find that a convincing argument. I want to be above it all. I want to say no, no, uh-uh. We just have to search for truth regardless of party. It, but you know what? After a while, it's like a sucker's game. It's like the fair map. The fair map is the biggest sucker's game in the state of Illinois. You got all these do-gooder Republicans, Democrats coming together saying, oh, let's make a fair map in which everybody was represented equally. So we take. Was that out. an impression of anybody in particular? And just every sucker and sap. Okay. No one in particular. No one in particular. Okay. And oh, let's have a fair map. Oh, I'm now going to do a dance to a fair map. This is a dance to a fair map. Meanwhile, Republicans it sounded like Skillicorn to me, but go ahead. Who? That Skillicorn guy, the Republican in uh, Illinois. Oh, gee, I, I didn't even know that. Maybe I'm channeling in my inner Skillicorn. And meanwhile, the Republicans uh, in Michigan or up in Michigan trying to, uh, uh, they're, they're challenging uh, a law that would have made a fair map. Uh, that would, again, but in that case, Republicans would lose seats. So when it comes to Republicans losing seats, 
the Republicans against fair maps. When it comes to Democrats losing seats, they're for fair maps. In other words, they're hypocrites. So it's the same thing with criminal justice. When it comes to Donald John Trump breaking the law, oh, come on now. You're trying to undo an election. When it comes to Kim Fox making phone calls, this is the greatest outrage I've ever seen in the entire history of civilization. So I'm tired of playing that sucker's game. When the Republicans stand up and start treating evidence of wrongdoing by Donald Trump in a serious manner and hold him accountable, then I'll play along and hold Democrats accountable. But this is ridiculous at some point. It's a sucker's game, double standard. So I think most voters in Cook County, at least uh, a plurality of voters in a Democratic uh, primary will see it that way, and Kim Fox will be victorious. That's my prediction, young man. No collusion. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, Proves my point. So that's what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. This is typically when we go to break, but we want to talk to you guys uh, here for a little bit. Uh, first off, next week, Thanksgiving week, no shows. We're going to be uh, we're taking the whole week off. No Bid? live shows. No live shows. No live shows. We're not going to be doing the live stream. Very so everybody listen on the live stream right now. We're not going to be on next week. Ben's headed to L.A. Is yeah, that right? Visiting my daughter's going Hollywood, going big time. Where's my sunglasses? Oh, get your sunglasses, please. Oh, okay, great. We got nothing going on. So Ben's going to be going to L.A., hanging out with his family. I'm going to go back home to downstate Illinois. Hanging out with your family. See how long I can hang down there. Um, Usually lasts about three days. I'm like, all right, get me the hell out of here. I'm sorry, man. What'd you say? Oh, he's got his sunglasses on. By the way, whoa. Hold on. Not only sunglasses, but... Uh Uh-oh. I'm wearing my moccasins. That's correct. Yeah. And new shoes. Well, they're not new. I just realized I hadn't worn them in a while. I go, oh, my God, I'm going to wear them. And I'm just feeling my inner Brad Pitt with the sunglasses <laughs> and the shoes. You know, uh, your favorite movie, Once Upon a Time in oh, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen it, what, five times? Yeah. Uh, uh, Brad Pitt walks around wearing these moccasins. It's, like, so cool. So oh me with my shades, my moccasins going to L.A., I'm cool. Whatever makes you feel better, Ben. <laughs> Whatever makes you feel better. Yeah, whatever gets me through the day. So we're going to be gone all next week, but we're uh, going to be uh, putting the hammer down, as my dad would say, with a lot of Benny J bonus shows, okay, to provide you people with some content while we're gone. We've been taping them all week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We and taped one last night. Yes, we did. We talked about the Chicago Bulls, Ben's <laughs> beloved Bulls. My goodness. Yes. They're not that great this year so far. But hey, you'll find out more about that with this uh, Benny J bonus interview. But an idea that we had is uh, kind of a Q&A. So if you're listening, if you listen to this podcast, or if you're listening for the first time, reach out to us if there's any question that you would like to ask Ben, or I guess myself, if you want to ask me a question, that's fine. Uh, we have an email address. We don't give it out that much, but uh, BennyJShow at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show. S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Uh, if there's any question that you have at all, we will answer it. It'll be like a Q&A show that we'll have. So send us your emails. Once again, BennyJShow at gmail.com is the email. Uh, it, whatever question you have, uh, what's Ben's favorite, I don't know, uh, song? What's, you know? <laughs> That's a hard one. What's my favorite song? Uh, yeah, my favorite what's movie? Ben's favorite t- Favorite politician. Yeah, favorite po- Whatever question oh, you have. politician. Why do you sing so much? I don't know. Whatever you got. You know what? I'm doing a column for next week. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a column for next week. Things I'm thankful for, but things I'm not really thankful for. I'm actually, we're actually going to probably do, you and I are going to do a bit in this. In other words, so for instance, give an example. Like, 
usually when I write the Thanksgiving column, I give thanks to people that I really am appreciative of, like Monroe Anderson, my dear friend, who has been uh, keeping us informed on the, all the impeachment proceedings against Donald John Trump uh, for well, even before there was impeachment proceedings. But this time, I'm going to get thankful for people and uh, things and institutions. They give me stuff to write about. So I'm not really thankful for them. Oh, there you go. Whoa. Whoa. Like the TIFF program, for instance. Get you know, the, the bong out. <laughs> so anything like you oh, want to yeah. get a, get off your chest, any kind of like, you know, uh, Donald John Trump, uh, Repub- for, be, uh, for being a brute, Republicans for being utter hypocrites. How about the Chicago uh, Tribune editorial board for writing? Oh, you love them. Wretched, wretched. But I tell you what, I feel for the Chicago Troop in all seriousness. I just saw a story today. The uh, Michael Farrell sold to some hedge fund. That's probably going to fire a bunch of people. And I, I make fun of the Tribune's editorial board all the time because the editorials they write are so silly uh, and so filled with uh, hypocrisy and double standards. And they just like sort of hate poor people in general. But <laughs> there's a lot of good journalists. Monroe Anderson knows this. There's a lot of really excellent journalists on the news side of the Chicago Tribune. And I worry that these cuts will hurt them. Right. You know, and yeah. it's oh, they'll keep that like that those trashy editorials and they'll get rid of like really qualified, um, important journalists. So I'm hoping that the new owners of the Tribune leave alone the product because you have except for that editorial page a very good product in my humble opinion and we're hoping that you'll send us an email at bennyjshow at gmail.com like i said we're going to be doing a q a here no live shows tuesday through friday all right brianna's on the live stream chat no shows oh my god what will i put in my headphones to drown out my uh, relatives that's pretty funny <laughs> we're gonna have shows download them da- we, uh, just just uh to to make this thing cl- we're gonna have shows every day we're gonna do- i'll have them by 1 p.m the time that we start all you gotta do yeah. is just go to chicago sun times or chicago reader websites we'll have a benny j bonus right there for you we're doing what we can here and once again it'd be great if uh, you're listening to this and you have a question doesn't matter just stay, uh put your first name where you're from and uh, ask us a question and uh, we'll see if Ben ducks and dodges <laughs> I've been known to duck and dodge a question every now and then that's correct so once again BennyJShow at gmail.com B-E-N-N-Y the letter J show at gmail.com send us your questions and you can download uh, the Benny J bonus interviews that we're going to be uh, airing in place of the live show chicagoreader.com chicago.suntimes.com forward slash pages forward slash Jarofsky or wherever else you download podcasts I have the uh, I'll put the uh, link in the live stream chat as well okay I'm done talking coming up after this short little break Monroe Anderson's with us and we're going to talk things all Donald Trump impeachment don't go anywhere it's the Ben Jarofsky show live from the Chicago Sun-Times The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. And we view that this is a civil rights issue. You know, we think that the conditions in our schools, we think that support for our students that need trauma support, social workers, psychologists, counselors. Um, 
We think that adequate services to special education. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Monroe Anderson has pulled himself away from the TV where he's been watching uh, the ongoing investigation, the ongoing impeachment inquiry that the Democrats and Congress, uh, I let's see, we're in day four, day five. I'm trying to figure out, I've lost track of time. Well, it started last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, yeah, Thursday. So two, two last Wednesday, day four. All right, uh, Gordon Sunland, who is the ambassador to the European uh, Union, uh, testified this morning. Uh, yesterday, it was uh, Alexander Vindman and Jennifer Williams. And uh, in each instance, the Democrats are trying to make the point uh, that Donald Trump, or was trying to get these witnesses to make the point uh, that Donald Trump had ordered uh, a shakedown of the Ukraine president to force him to turn over, uh, to have a statement that he was going to uh, investigate uh, Biden. Biden and a his public son. statement. A public statement. That's, that's, that's what all it is, he wanted. He didn't want an investigation. He didn't care about that. Well, we didn't care yeah, about right, exactly. I mean, just Monroe, for a moment now, the utter hypocrisy of the Republican Party. And it, I've been going on and on about this. All right. I've been on, going on and on. I'm not talking about uh, let's put aside the congressman in Washington. We'll get into the, what they did. They're, they're, drilling. Yeah. they're playing the role of the defense attorney for Donald John Trump. Yes. What about what about all the Republicans in Cook County? who are so outraged by Michael Madigan and so outraged by payoffs by Democratic uh, legislators, but can't seem to see extortion when extortion, well, you know, uh, one person says this and oh, another oh, person yeah, says yeah. that. Now, who knows? Uh, on Facebook today, yeah, um, Thomas Raleigh, I think his name is, he's a buddy of Frank Coconati. And he has, he, he, they, they have a whole thing going on about how crooked the Democrats are at Illinois. Yeah, okay. yeah, right. You know, I, I mean, I, I and understand. they got it. They want to. They want to talk. They wonder why aren't we talking about that instead of the president? All right, Tim. I, I'm. I don't know this dude, Thomas. I know Frank Coconati. I've known Frank forever. Frank Coconati is a city employee. He got fired. Uh, he was unjustly fired. But so he can't stand Democrats. And I don't blame him for not for disliking Democrats. He was a Democrat. Uh, so now he's gone all the way. The other. The the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And now he loves Donald John Trump. Whatever. Okay, right. that's Frank Coconati. What excuse does the Chicago Tribune editorial page have? What excuse do the big time Republicans? Well, the, the Chicago State Tribune is a Republican newspaper. Be, has but, been uh, since, since the beginning. So you're they t- were an abolitionist newspaper when they started. And now they've come a long and, way from know, an abolitionist exactly. newspaper. Yeah, right, exactly. No, I, th- I think they said th- their attitude was uh, free them, but then don't give them anything to do and put them in jail. <laughs> that sounds like an editorial I may have read last week. Uh, so my point is, is that there is absolutely a double standard 
that goes on when it comes to corruption, Democratic corruption and Republican corruption. And there is no principled opposition by Republicans to corruption. There is no principled opposition uh, by Republicans to extortion. When Rod Blagojevich does it, they're outraged, send him to jail, 14 years. When Donald John Trump does it, oh, well, you know, on one hand this, on one hand that, oh well, and then they change the subject. Well, they, well, it's been a rolling situation. When, when, when it first broke, the story first broke, it didn't happen. You know, it, I mean, it was just, it, it was a hoax, period. Then each time some new evidence comes out showing that the president was, in fact, shaking down the president of U- Ukraine to get um, arms for dirt, then they came up with a different excuse. Their latest thing is that um, since the Democrats wised up and quit this not quit, um, um, quid, non-quid pro quo business, mm-hmm. which is Latin, and most of us speak English in this country, not Latin. And so they, the Democrats wised up and just started calling it bribery and extortion. Which is it, what it is. It, which is what it is, or which, which is what everybody explains. Well, the Republicans are saying that what the Democrats keep changing, move, moving the um, goalposts, that they, they keep changing the charges. You know, and the, the reality is quit pro quo this for that is the same as bribery or extortion. I mean, it's, you know, it's all in the same um, illegal ballpark. Well, the, the, no matter what you call it, uh, it still amounts to a shakedown. Yes. And uh, what I'm saying is that either you're against shakedowns by powerful politicians so they don't get more powerful than the president of the United States, or... You don't care about shakedowns. So I don't think you should get so outraged by Louis Arroyo, a state representative from the northwest side of Chicago, like, you know, uh, bribing, passing uh, bribes to get business for a certain company, allegations of that. You shouldn't be outraged by that. There's an easier way to approach this is imagine if. Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton had committed any of these crimes. Yeah. They would be sc- screaming at the top of their voices. They, Absolutely. They'd be marching through the streets with torches like white supremacists and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be a completely different situation. Now they're falling over each other, t- t- twisting themselves into knots to try to protect Trump. Absolutely. And, and their last thing, because it's so, so obvious now, yeah. That he did it. So their last, their last refuge is going to be, well, he did it, but it's not worth, worthy of taking him out of office when there's less than a year left to go and the voter can do it. Well, uh, that's, that's a whole uh, other story. And I can make the same, I, I make the same argument uh, for, uh, about Cook County corruption. Voters have the right, if they want to, to unseat Michael Madigan. Yeah. Michael Madigan comes before the voters every two years. Right. Voters have the right to unseat every single Democrat who's in power. So you could you could flip the switch. You could say, 
it, it, the Republicans, on one hand, uh, Sergio Mims has joined us. Sergio Mims has joined us, co-founder of the uh, Black Harvest Film Festival That's in the correct. city of Chicago. Has a lot of opinions about everything. We're just going to throw them in the mix. Uh, you could make the argument, the same argument that Republicans are making regard to, in defense of Donald Trump, which is don't kick him out of office because that would undo an election that occurred in 2016, even though he didn't really win the election. Uh, and uh, you should let the voters decide in 2020. That same argument could be made against every single Democratic politician in the state of Illinois. But by that argument, they shouldn't have impeached Rod Rod Bogoyevich. Rod Bogoyevich was duly elected by the citizens of Illinois in in 2006. And the the other thing is that he's in prison for doing what Trump did. Yes, he is in prison (laughs) for doing what Trump did. So I'm just saying that I'm having a really hard time with the utter hypocrisy of Republicans at this stage. And I, I say this as a, uh, a writer who's dedicated years of my life to battling the Chicago machine and writing one article after another, savaging them for their corruption. Right, same and, here. And when I just see like all standards going out the window, when I see just Republicans just playing, like going hard like they're Dudley Do-Right when it comes to Michael Madigan and going soft, you know, when it comes well, to Donald well, Trump. Well, what, what amazes me is how these um, anti-communist, anti-Russia party is now coddling up to Putin and they're def- defending our, the, the um, things going on in Russia. Um, they, they, they have been so, so much for the military, but now they're attacking Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. Yeah, they're attacking him for showing up in uniform with his purple heart on it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. All right, so uh, let's. I, while I've been in the studio today, what is Gordon Sutherland? He is the ambassador uh, to the European Union, uh, a Trump appointee. He was yeah. testifying today. Yeah, and he's he's the guy, in case you've forgotten, that gave a million dollars to the um, inaugural fund, Trump inauguration fund. He he bought the seat at other words. I got you. Okay. He, right. But okay. Trump said this morning that he didn't know him. Did you see that? No, this I didn't see that. Outside the White House. I don't know the guy. <laughs> I don't know him. Well, he, uh, if he had testified he, the other way, yeah. he would be. It, well, he, he was. Earlier on, he was yeah. a really great guy. Yeah. 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 He was a really great guy, according to Trump. Uh, but now that he's testified, I never heard of him. Yeah, Who? Right, the guy, right, the right. guy that gave you a million dollars. Never heard of him. Right, exactly. Uh, so, all right. So his test. All right. So this is the guy who gave a million dollars, donated a million dollars. He looked at everything in the world that needed money. Like all, like all the causes in the world, you know, like maybe you could give money to, for a cure for cancer. Maybe you could give money to eradicate poverty in mm-hmm. our time, huh? No, you know what needs a million dollars? The inauguration. <laughs> the inauguration party. Yeah, so and, Donald Trump can't pay for and, it himself. Oh, and he's suffering a hardship, too, because people are boycotting his hotels now. Oh, oh yeah, on Yelp, I saw that this morning. Yelp, you know, that website where people can review restaurants, yes. hotels. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody's bashing his hotels <laughs> on Yelp. Sunland's hotels. Right. Yeah, yes. not Trump's hotels. Sunland's oh, they've been bashing yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, what's interesting was this morning, Ken Starr, of all people, 
said that maybe it's time for the GOP to make a visit to the White House. That's interesting. 1974 all over again. You mean make a visit like uh, the the visit that Barry Goldwater made right. to Richard Nixon That's to say it's, it's time to step down? Oh, I thought he meant make a visit to the White House and do a deposition under oath. No, 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 no. He Donald means Trump. it's time for some of the GOP Senate to make a visit to the White House and say, you think maybe it's time to start packing up your bags. Well, all right. That is interesting. And Ken Starr, of all people. Yeah, Ken Starr, of course, uh, who was investigating uh, Bill Clinton uh, and led the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Now, wait a minute, uh, Monroe. So did Sunland in his testimony today, I just saw the very start of it. I, saw, I hadn't seen the part where the Republicans got the counterattack. Yeah. Did Sunland- it wasn't much of a counterattack. It wasn't. I didn't think it was much. Yeah, more. no, it, 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 it was the last part I heard. In Wait, time out. Before you get to the counterattack, what okay. did he say before the counterattack? Oh, he said there was a quid pro quo. Uh, quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. There okay. was a quid pro quo, and that Pence knew about it. Pompeo knew about it. Everybody knew everybody about knew it. about it. <laughs> he told on everybody. <laughs> Everybody's under that bus. Exactly. Right. right. Exactly. He so told I'm not on going to jail everybody. Right. For you guys. And, and of course, what's delicious about this yeah. is that if 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 we throw in Pence with in the impeachment with Trump and we get rid of both of them. President Pelosi. <laughs> Monroe's been well, singing this song for a long time. You know what? I would say yeah. he's dreaming. Yeah. But you know what? I said for months this, this, he's not going to be impeached. Now, it, 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 things change because it wasn't because of the Russia probe. Right. Yeah. It was because of something else. Right. The Ukraine. Probes. Yeah. But okay, fine. He was right. So I would laugh at him right now and yeah. said, "Ha, President Pelosi." Hey, I don't know. No way. No way. Yeah. No, they won't do it. They won't, they do, won't it. do it. No way. They won't that do is a it. bet. You could go to. Uh, I, I, yeah, you know, they I'm a reform gambler. It. I don't bet, but go to Vegas on that one, folks. Right. Mm-hmm. No way. They won't do uh, it. Are the Republicans in the Senate going to break from uh, Donald Trump? I just, it's not going to happen. Uh, they're. All right. Okay. No, they may they may go visit the White House because they will have Pence. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what's so crazy about them whining about there being a coup that the Democrats are trying to do a coup. It's only a coup if they get rid of both Trump and Pence. Otherwise, you move, you're replacing Trump with Pence. So the party still has the power. Uh, it's a Republican still there on and on. So it's not a coup. A coup is when you overturn a government completely. But, you know, you can say it's the old thing where you step down and Pence will pardon you after a period of time. Like Nixon, well, I'm sorry, yeah, like Ford, Ford pardoned yeah. Nixon. Oh, he may, not after a period of time. I think, I think that'll be, yeah, right. I think that'll be the deal. Wait, okay. what'll be the deal? That Trump would... That Pence will pardon Trump. Okay, guys, you are so far ahead of yourself. First of all, Trump stopped <laughs> steadying down, okay? The Republicans hey, you know what? Are I can't be- predict things anymore. Not in this crazy, topsy-turvy yeah. world we live in. No, I would. I, 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 I think Trump might step down. No way. I think Trump, uh, yeah. Yeah. That will, I will make a bet at a, a Chicago restaurant where they've raised the taxes, as I just said. So a nice Chicago restaurant where they've just raised the taxes. No way Trump is going to step down. Okay, let me ask you this. When he made that surprise visit to yes for examination, yeah, yeah. I heard uh-huh. he was having chest pains. Where did you hear that? 
What do you got, like sources. a source in the White House? Yes, I do. Sergio Mims, Black Harvest Film Festival. No, it's got no. sources there, in the White there, House? There, there, surprise. There, people there I know been, and There has I been speculation on the internet. Yeah, okay, people right. are speculating on the internet, right. and, right. and that is one thing, but like having a legitimate source in the White House, I didn't know you had Republican friends. You do have a Republican friend. Who's that? Um, I'm not, I'm not going to state it, but you have a Republican. You've mentioned it on the show. Some well-connected lawyer. Oh, I know who it is. Yeah, I yeah. know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. He's an acquaintance. It's not like he's a friend. Okay, all right, whatever. Uh, and they uh, have hot chocolate together. <laughs> um, so anyway, all right. So we're, that's that Walter Reed thing. It was that broke this uh, weekend when I wasn't paying attention, and somebody called me up and go, "Ben, what do you think about the Walter Reed thing?" And I, I didn't know what they were talking about. I didn't hear I, right. It wasn't until after it happened I heard about. It. I said, what, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, and then I went and uh, read, it and I thought, "Ah, this is uh, much to do about nothing." Uh, but now you're telling me that Trump had chest pains. That's what you're hearing. That's what I hear. <laughs> All right. No, it's it's out there. Uh, okay. Well, I'll, you can throw and, and, anything and, out and, there. It'll go no, on. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> the, well, this is the um, this is the reason. All right. The reasoning behind it. Yeah. Is that they took him quietly. You know, if if it was part of some physical, then they would have announced it. And um, it would have been on a schedule and what have you. They 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 took him there quietly, and then because he's good at covering up, they had him um, talk to some patients there mm. after whatever they did yeah. with him. Listen, Donald Trump. I think it was you that said that Donald Trump is in such bad physical shape. This is no, a whole separate story. You've been saying it forever. Right. Yeah, no, he had him dead by now. Yeah, so <laughs> hey, Sergio. still got a year. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the news, uh, the views and opinions of Sergio Mims are those of only Sergio Mims. That's right. Correct, sorry, fresh, uh, you come to me. Yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway. We, uh, we got Dr. D and we got Dr. Sergio. Dr. Sergio. That's right. Uh, Dr. Exactly. Mims making house visits. <laughs> no. All right. Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, when it comes to Donald Trump and his medical pass, it's almost like like Donald Trump and his uh, IR, IRS statements, and it's it's largely fictitious. There was that incredible report that the doctor did. Remember the physical? I know. Uh, he's like superhuman. He's 225? 225. 225. Yeah, yeah, right. God right. dang. Right. 225. Right. 425. Right. 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 Uh, well, pounds. he also grew two inches, too. He was 6'3". Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of fic- uh, fiction when it comes to Donald Trump uh, and his medical records. All right. So going back to the um, the Republican counterattack, Gordon saw Sunland, uh, the hotel or the hotel out manager or owner uh, who gave a million dollars, had a lot of money uh, to the Trump uh, inauguration uh, party uh, and an exchange. Wow, there's a quid pro quo. Got to be the uh, ambassador to the European Union. Testified today that absolutely everybody knew about an effort to extract a press statement a press conference from Ukrainian president uh, and at which point they would release the military aid. If that's not a shakedown, I do not want it, know what it is. If well, I did, well, no, you, you're forgetting another element of it. What? A White House visit. Oh, Zelensky right. The White House was trying yes. to go to the White House mm-hmm. because he's trying to mm-hmm. be legitimized. He's a new president and he's trying to be legitimate. And, he, and plus he needed... He needed the meeting with Trump in Washington to back Putin off. So, you know, because then it's like, okay, see me and Trump. And remember, we're talking about Zelensky, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is a guy who previously was a comedian. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that is correct. And have you seen one of his skits? No. I, I, I know. First of all, isn't it in another language? 
You've seen it with well, English it, subtitles. Well, you don't need you right. don't need language to understand it. He speaks it. Ukraine. Too. No, no. The, the skit is you haven't seen this. You can go. No. You can find it on YouTube. If he and another guy uh-huh. are at a piano, yeah, and they're pretending that they take their penises out and playing the piano with their penises. You haven't seen? No, this? No, I've not seen this. You I'll can find it. Oh, yeah. Trump's right. kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, this guy <laughs> is the president of Ukraine. All right. Wait. So <laughs> let me get back to the Republican counterpunch. So Sunlin was pretty clear that everybody was in on this scam, and that starting with the president going on down, yes. uh, and they were trying to uh, force extort the um, uh, the president of Ukraine to give this statement, have this press conference, make this visit, and then uh, in exchange for doing that, they would release money, uh, that, military that aid that Congress yeah. had already approved, exactly. that they didn't even have the right to withhold anyway. Right. Right. Why Bokoyevich is still in federal prison and Donald Trump getting away with this, I do not know. Anyway, so what was the great Republican counterpunch today? Their counterpunch was that... Um, you see? Yeah, that's such no, no, a bad no. counter. No, they, they asked Sondland if, if, if Trump had said any of this to him personally. As opposed to all these emails and, uh, from the various uh, operatives in the, Republic, in the White House saying, exactly. POTUS wants this, exactly. BOSS wants exactly. this, exactly. P- They got like five so, different words but, from Trump. But, he's, but their defense is that Sondland is... Um, taking credit for second and third uh, um, witness um, information. I see. Well, you you know, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, they're, they're, they're flailing. Yeah, right, exactly. Now they're flailing all over because the, they're still trying to bring, they're still trying to make the argument that the Ukraine was in fact working um, to um, keep Trump out of office in 2016. I mean, they, they, you know, they got all these really weird theories that are hard to keep up with because they make no well, sense. Basically, they have 10 different excuses so far. Right. Um, I just read an article yesterday before yesterday listing all the various excuses since the very beginning. They total about 10. Now, maybe it's, right now it's about 11. Um, they don't have anything. They're they flailing. Have, no, here's the bottom line. They do not want to acknowledge that Donald Trump committed a crime and they do not want to give up that power. They do not want to give up the control of the purse. They do not want to give up the control of appointing judges. They do not want to relinquish anything. And so as a result, they're uh, throwing away any any shred of credibility they have that they actually care about the principles at stake well, here. And that's why I'm saying, Sergio, I'm through with it. Well, I'm through with it, man. I heard a theory this morning. I can't remember one of the morning shows. Someone, somebody speculated that the Republicans know he's finished. And what the deal is, is that they're hoping that the Southern District of New York <laughs> nails him on stuff so then they can basically wash their hands of him and but at the same time be distant from it and say oh it's terrible what they're doing what they're doing to him but let somebody else do the dirty work that we are too scared to do that's one theory i heard this morning and i said well that kind of sounds feasible I don't know. They seem very passionate about defending Donald Trump. I mean, they... No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Now they're going through the motions. They're really going through the motions. The base 
is is passionate about it, and so therefore they are. And they're Jim Joiners and Nunez, De, uh, Devon Nunez. They are passionate. Well, let me, let me ask. Let me ask you this. Yeah. How passionate now you think though that base is? You think it's still really he still really has that fervent support yeah. among the base yeah. that he had all this time, uh, or yes. is it beginning to wane? No, it's strong. It's strong. It's strong. It's strong. It's, it is really uh, strong. Now, it, it, to the it, it, when you move beyond the base, it's clear to me that um, your traditional Republican voter is a little feels a, like a upscale suburbanite. Feels a little awkward. About oh, no, no, he's, he's Trump has lost the suburbs. The educated whites at and, the moment. Uh, yeah, at the moment. Oh no, he's not gonna. It's gonna get worse. I guess. <laughs> I mean, that, that's. <laughs> but that's not the that, base. I don't consider that like. No, it's not the, that's right. not that's the, the Donald Trump base. No, that's no. the thirty-five percent is the base. The thirty. Yeah. So then there's the others that join. Well, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll give a shot to Donald Trump. Right. See what the, he's the, like. We'll, yeah, we don't like Hillary the, Clinton. The, we yeah, don't like Democratic and, policies. And the ones that held their nose. This, because of the pussy grabbing and everything else. So they voted for him because they didn't like Hillary or they're, they're supposed to be Republicans. So um, they, they said, well, this guy stinks up the place, but we'll vote for him and see how he does. They're gone mm. and they're not coming back. See, but, no, go ahead. Yeah, because this, this impeachment inquiry that's now going on each day gets worse and worse and worse mm. for him and them. You see, but I agree with what Maya says all the time on your show, mm-hmm. that the Democrats need to concentrate on the people who didn't vote last time. Forget the base. Forget the hardcore Trumpers, right? Because they're never going to leave. Even though I'm beginning to suspect this beginning to waver a little bit. I don't know about that 35%. Is it down now to maybe 33%? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But... Um, you got to concentrate on the people who did not come out to vote the last time. That is what the Democrats have to do. Stop trying to appease those Trumpers because they're not leaving him. Even if it's down to 15%, forget them. <laughs> yeah. Put him out on a ship and just let it sail away. Well, well the thing is, Hillary would have won. Hillary if, did win, but anyway, I mean, go back to your point. Hillary would have won if she no, wasn't Hillary. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, it, no, the election. Oh, he's a Bernie bro right yeah, over there. I know, I know. <laughs> we have this argument all the time. Exactly. He, a Bernie bro and want, a Hillary. No, I'm, I'm a realistic pragmatic Seems to be a recurring scenario on our program. Monroe and then a Bernie person sitting right next to him. Because it's really hard to find anymore. I'm just going to throw this out there. Hillary people that still say, I was for Hillary, Monroe, Del Marie are the only two that I know. Right, exactly, because we're pragmatists. And, and, whereas Bernie, Bernie's Pragmatism not. Pragmatism means, okay, I'm stuck with this guy who cheats on me, but I got to stay with him to stay in power. That's being a pragmatist, right? You like have Hillary to admit, Monroe, you have to admit, yeah. you have to make this concession. Right. That Bill Clinton, uh, when you sum it all up, has been a disaster for the Democratic Party post him leaving office and that the time has come for the Democrats once and for all Absolutely. to cut 
the ties to the Clintons that they have. You guys, you guys well, are they, they so, still stuck in twenty sixteen. No, 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 they no, still no, 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 no. Well, I'll believe you. Yeah, in, right. If in twenty twenty in right. Milwaukee at the Democratic National Convention, yeah. will Bill Clinton? be given a speaking role. He's had he's been allowed to speak, I believe, at every single convention. I think Gore may have kept him out. I can't remember. Two thousand Frank looked that right. up. But in two thousand four, two thousand eight, he gave the great speech, remember, for yeah, the but, argument but give, for Barack. Give, yeah, right. Obama. No, he's a great speaker. Yeah, and, but the po- Yeah, as Bar- as Barack said, he's 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 the president of explaining everything. Yeah. <laughs> so so no, I you know, they'll have him there, but the thing is you gotta cut the tie. They, right. they don't they don't have to cut their tie. Yes, they, 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 they did didn't I bring they up don't. that question last time was on? What's that? Will they let Hillary Clinton speak at in Milwaukee at next year's convention? Is, yeah, Monroe. And I yeah. said, No. Wait. If they're smart, cut them loose. And you asked me. Also, Bill, and I said no, too. Don't have him she, speak. She, they may not let Monroe, her speak. They may will, not should let her the, speak. Here we go. We're going to put him on the spot. Yeah, right. Should the Democrats allow Hillary Clinton a speaking role at their 2020 convention in Milwaukee? It depends on who, who, who the nominee is. Well, now, why do you say that? Huh? Why do you uh, give a little qualifier? Why do you say well, that? Because if it's, if it's Bernie, no. <laughs> but if it's Bernie, wouldn't you need yes. the centrist? Then, then you, then you, you would need the, the centrist. Yeah, yeah. If you have a centrist, you don't right. want to tag that centrist. Let, let's say it's uh, Sergio's favorite candidate, Mayor Pete. Uh, just no, kidding. Hey, wait just a kidding. minute. I, that's just a tease for when he's got something he wants to unleash. Uh, let's say it's uh, it's a centrist. Mayor Pete's right. Right, number one in the polls in Iowa. We're going to get into that. Sergio has been dying to, to talk we'll about We'll get something. into that. We'll get into it. Uh, but right now, Mayor Pete's number one, and we have Deval Patrick. We have Michael Bloomberg. All these centrists say, oh my God, the nomination is there for the taking. We cannot allow a lefty to have it. So let's say it's a centrist. That centrist would really be hurt if you just had another well, centrist. Well, Bloomberg is running on that theory that you just said. Well, but, is but, he really running but, or not? I don't but, know yet. But... Um, I don't think um, Devon is is Deval a, Patrick. A, Deval Patrick is running just on that. I think he's running because he suddenly decided um, this thing is up for grabs, and so anybody can get it. So I may, I may as well. Well, get he's in positioning there himself as Obama too. Right. Yeah, and, but he's got a ton of baggage. Well, okay, and the baggage that he has, uh, now we're moving into the second segment, which is great, okay. uh, which is tonight's debate and the Demo- how the Democrats uh, long. Uh, term deal with Trump. But the baggage that a Deval Patrick has, uh, Sergio, is that he's tied to centrist policies that the Democratic Party is moving away from, is evolving out of, if you want to use that term. And they're trying to figure out well, the, the Democrats right now. The main problem right is that he's working for the um, Bain Capital. Uh, Bain Capital. Exactly. Okay. And so which, that just. Which, which they, they jammed up Romney. Romney. On. And right. so he's there now. But, but then that's it's just the ex- only thing involving the board, the uh, parole board, about his brother-in-law, 
No, but what I'm saying is that him working for Bain accentuates mm-hmm. the inconsistency of the Democratic Party to speak with one voice when it comes to social issues that uh, or to economic issues that affect people. So, for instance, like Bain would be advancing a plan where uh, one company buys another company and then lays off the people and in the name of uh, productivity and, and more profits. money for the profit, yeah. more money for the stockholders. That's what Bain does. The Democratic Party should be about protecting workers uh, from being laid off and, right. and having... Well, I, uh, he's not going anywhere. Patrick's not going anywhere. No. They, he won't make it. I don't know why he's doing this. Well, yeah. so, so, Except else. he just wants to He wants it. to be president yeah, of the United yeah. States. Well, no, he's yeah. going to be a lot of flash in the pants like Fred Thompson and Rick Perry. These guys will come and they what? flame out real fast. Where did you pull Fred Thompson out? That is a great one from the past. Do you remember Fred Thompson? Uh, yeah. Remember uh, the movie? The actor. Yeah, the actor. <laughs> right. He was an actor. Can you name a movie he was in? Yeah, Die Hard 2. Excellent. <laughs> Sergio Mims, ladies and gentlemen, co-founder of Black Harvest Film Festival. After today's show, we're going to have a sit-down. I've been promoting it all day. We're going to be doing gangster movies uh, with Sergio and El Dragon. We're going to talk about the Irishman. But, uh, right. Wait, hold the phone. Hold the phone. Frank is weighed in. What was the question you asked, Frank? Uh, what was the question I asked? Oh, I can't remember. God. That's our host, guys. Don't even remember the damn question. <laughs> what about Fred Thompson? Oh, wait. No. Fred? Did Bill Clinton oh. give a speech at the 2000 convention? And that's a key one because in 2000, uh, Monroe's favorite candidate, Al Gore, was trying to distance himself. Remember? Yeah. Al Gore yeah. was trying to distance right. himself from Bill Clinton. Exactly. Um, Foolishly. Fool- Thank Foolishly. you. Now, we'll get into that. Right. So did he give a speech? Bill Clinton did give a speech at the 2000 Democratic National Convention. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so every year, right. William well, Jefferson well, Clinton. Because Clinton gives good speeches. So should they allow Bill Clinton, Monroe, you're on the hot seat. Yes. Should they allow Bill Clinton a speaking role at the 2020 convention? Yes. No. Yes. I say no. I'm yes. with Sergio on this yes. one. You don't have him. He's, he's not in prime time. But you got to put him. Oh, he's going to demand prime time. As soon as they have him, come on. He's going to demand prime time. You know it. He and Of course he is, but that doesn't mean you have to give it to him. Yeah, but the thing, it, right, I agree with Ben. He, cut the tie. It's over with. You got to cut the tie. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Move on. Our, now, in 2000, I'll there concede are, that. There are people that love Bill. Clinton, Hillary, not so much, but there are people in. Who the still loves Bill? Uh, a lot of women. <laughs> uh, no more, man. That is so. That no. is so. 1996. No. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton is a dirty dog when it yeah. comes to women. Bill Clinton hey, is an embarrassment, nice. and Bill Clinton. Oh, I know that, but but a lot of women like bad boys, and that's what he is. No. Well, you know what? I have to. I have to say this. How much? What percentage of the white women vote did Donald Trump? I was going to say. Did 51%? you just explain the Trump women vote? Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> no, as I explained before. Once again, getting controversial, I think a lot of those women voted for um, Trump to keep peace in the House because no. their husbands there were women. Were, no, no, they were I, hardcore I saw, for Trump. I saw and women. They didn't want to get a black guy. I, I saw. I saw. Wait, time out. They I saw women with signs on them who were. were uh, I didn't say all women. I said a lot said, of women did. He can grab me here. They had sides like that's that. I saw. Twisted stuff. Well, exactly. they've been brainwashed right. by that's pa- some twisted Patrick. stuff. Right. So yeah, that is so twisted stuff. And, and their husband wasn't just telling them where that side out. Right. I I, uh, I do believe uh, Monroe that uh, what part of what you're saying is rooted back in about 1998 
when the Republicans turned on Bill Clinton yeah. and so many Democrats had a knee-jerk reaction to defend him. And I confess, I confess, I'm putting my right hand in the air. I, <laughs> it's confessional music. I was one of those Democrats. And uh, I know a lot of Democrats that I know felt the same way. Yeah. Uh, and I, so in, in this way, in this respect, I can understand and relate. Yeah. to the hardcore uh, Trump voter who feels as though the Democrats are trying to uh, kick out of office their guy. Now, I, in retrospect, wish perhaps it would have been better for the Democrats had Bill, Bill Clinton been, been impeached because I think Al Gore would have won in 2000. What do you think about that theory? Would Al Gore have won in 2000? No. If, yeah, Al Gore was just a bad candidate. Guys, he won the election. I just want to remind you of that. Look, he didn't even win his own state. That right. is correct. You're right. right. He didn't win his You're own right. state. You're right. He lost he Tennessee. Didn't win his own state. If right. you don't win your own state, right. what good are you? Of course, Trump didn't win his own state either. Right? Good point. Touche. Right. All right. <laughs> That's good. On God. On God. You got to give Monroe credit for that one. All right, uh, we got uh, Monroe. In fact, Trump did win it with his own building. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, maybe he'll win Florida this time. All right, we got Monroe and Sergio in the studio. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Sergio's going to give his Pete Buttigieg theory. Stick around, folks. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. The L. LSD, the tree, the bean. There are some words that you have to be a Chicagoan to understand. But don't worry, you can brush up on your Chicago lingo with the book that Ben Jarofsky has in his hand right now. It's called The Chicagopedia, a brand new guide from the Sun-Times that hilariously defines the terms that any good Chicagoan should know. Ben's looking at it right now. Ben, tell us what you're seeing in this uh, Chicagopedia. Well, I, I see a lot of things in Chicagopedia that I'm going to quiz are two. Uh, well, one is a lifelong Chicagoan. Okay. Born and raised in uh, Hyde Park. The other has lived in the city of Chicago since, I want to say, the mid-70s. So even though so he's, he's an immigrant. He's, he's no, a Gary. Only two, but... Gary is a suburb okay. of Chicago. Let me see if there's any Michael Jackson uh, references in here that would really make him feel home. He's from Gary, Indiana, ladies and gentlemen. So or, I'm going to quiz or, that. Or, or Alex Karras. 
Alex, Pete's very good. Yeah. So Ben yeah. has his Chicagopedia in hand, which you can too, guys. They make these for everybody. So was, so was Gene Rayburn, the host of the uh, Match, Match Game. game? Mm-hmm. He was from Gary. And, oh, and, and, wow. St- and Steiglitz. All right, well, it's not the Garypedia, guys. It's the <laughs> Chicagopedia. We're trying to sell the Chicagopedia. Ben has it in his hand, and he's going to quiz these well, guys on Chicago ex- lingo. They should have expanded it. <laughs> Wait, do you have any more uh, of the... No, let it rip, buddy. All right, guys, so you here we go. You do a question, and I'll finish the ad. Right. Okay, so here we go. Uh-huh. Uh, I am just going to routinely... So, again, Chicagopedia. Well, let's give a shout-out to Robert Hergeth who was the editor of the Chicagopedia. Right, Robert. He's been on our show many times. This guy is utterly obsessed with FBI files, has been collecting the files that the FBI has been... Him and Ben nerd out all the time on this (laughs) show. It is kind of embarrassing. All right, Uh, but it won't be as... This is is Bob, right? Bob Hergus. Yeah, his son. Oh, here we go. Guys, I swear, I just opened this up, Uh and this is what I found. I just literally opened this up. This here's on Chicagopedia. It's Chicagopedia, however... Okay. However, there's a reference to uh, <laughs> just Northwest Indiana. There you go. It's a Northwest Indiana. Uh-huh. Uh, and do you know how they define? How would you define uh, Sergio in a sentence? Northwest Indiana. Uh, I don't go there. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, uh, that's okay. All right. The region. All right. So they, they, that's how they refer to it in the southern part of the state. Wait, the southern part of uh, Indiana? Indiana, yeah. The region? The region. They do say that? Yeah, the region. Wow, they, I'm sure they're referring to something uh, when they yeah, say the say region. I are. think there's something about Northwest Indiana yes. that distinguishes it from much of the rest of yes. Indiana, yes. if you right. follow yes. my trip. Yeah, I get, I get it. Uh, it's a little bit too uh, black. Yes. <laughs> and brown. Uh, so here is how the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, in their sentence of Northwest Indiana, area that's south side drive through as quickly as they can. <laughs> very, that's very Sergio right there. Area that Southsiders drive through as quickly as they can while heading to Grand Beach and Saga Talk for the weekend. Now, why would you... Why would you put distinguish anybody like a Southsider? First of all, it's probably more Northsiders than Southsiders oh. who have uh, uh, vacation homes oh, in Grand sure. Beach and Saugatuck, and everybody is driving through it as fast <laughs> as they can. Not just a Southsider. I would say area that Southsiders drive to to get cheap cigarettes. Uh, or firecrackers. Or firecrackers, right? Or porn. Or, or gas. guns. Or, or guns. Gas. Or gas. Right. <laughs> this live rate's getting weird. Hand me that Chicagopedia, could you please? It's the Chicagopedia from the Chicago Sun Times. Where can I get that? At Chicago Sun Times. <laughs> Wait, hold yeah, on. Well it's, you can get it at suntimes.com forward slash CT shop to order your copy of the Chicagopedia. All things Chicago and I guess a little bit of Indiana as well. A little bit. Go, I just opened it up and there was Indiana, which is very appropriate. Go mm-hmm. check it out. Suntimes.com CT shop to order your copy of Chicagopedia. Thank you, today. sir. Do it today. All right, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, November 20th is moments away. What's up, Sergio? Um, I want to also thank Chicago Reader for naming Black Harvest Film Festival as the the runner-up after Chicago National Film Festival. But still, we came in second place. 
Next year we'll be in first number place. Number one. You should have been number one this year, but that's just oh, me. Hell, we well, didn't get anywhere on the how podcast. How do you think I feel? <laughs> yeah, we we didn't even make top three in our podcast. I would, so we, damn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> what the hell? But we are rated in the number one podcast in America by the Alton Riverfront Association of Podcasters. These are lies. There you go. You that's, that's a lie. All right. The uh, Ben Jarowski Show, hour number two for Wednesday, November 20th is moments away. Uh, but before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Go get a Chicagopedia. Hour number two, let's go. Yes, it is Wednesday, November 20th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio, and we still got Sergio Mims in studio, director of the Black Harvest Film Festival, and we welcome... Ben, did you give this uh, guest my phone number, the text? Okay, did not. So she may be outside. Children's book author, Robin Stevenson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. All right, I got I'm going to keep the Chicagopedia book here uh, because I'm going to quiz various people that come through the studio uh, and see if they know the answers to the various Chicagopedia trivia. You can have your very own Chicagopedia quiz night. Just go get it. ChicagoSuntimes.com. And uh, let's get one for Sergio. He deserves one. I got mine because I'm a home subscriber. Every day I get my beloved bright one delivered to my door. And this was included in the Sunday package. And I saw it. I took it out day and I started reading it and talking to my wife. Hey, look at this. And ever such a such. By the way, do you know who David Lammy is? I got to talk about this. The Dalai Lama? No, D- David Lammy. He's, uh, he's this black British uh, member of parliament, the Labour Party. Mm. And he represents Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I found out later where Tottenham is. And he is one of the biggest voices against Brexit. He's a Harvard Law School grad. Mm-hmm. And he's been on TV in the United States, but I've been following this guy a lot. Right. Uh, he's really passionate and he's brilliant about talking about the disaster Brexit would be. Mm-hmm. Uh and a couple of weeks ago, he was given a speech in the uh, in Parliament, in House of Commons, and he was talking about how it would affect his community if Brexit, if Brexit happened uh, in Tottenham, and particularly an increased crime. And he said, "I don't want the <laughs> South Side of Chicago in Tottenham." And hey, brother, I beg your pardon. And I talked to some people later. I talked actually. I was I was in New York last week. I talked to a friend of mine. I had been in Tottenham. She says one of the worst places in the in in in, in the London wow. area with poverty and crime. And he says, and he said, I don't want the South Side of Chicago yeah. in on Tottenham. You know, oh, that's no good. I, that's Trump like. That's Trump like, yeah, bro. It's right Trump-like. out of Trump or Boris Johnson. <clears throat> yeah, Boris Sorry. Johnson, who's the Trump of England. And and I uh, I sent him a very strongly worded email. Did he respond? 
No, I got a you know form letter from his office. All right, well that's a start. All right, before we get, I'm going to get to uh, Sergio's theory about Pete Buttigieg, and I really want to hear Monroe's response. You got an update for me, D? Uh, I got an Arroyo Gate update, but I'll do that a little later. I want to make sure our guest, uh, make sure she's uh, okay. Um, she may be here. She may yeah. not. So okay. I'm check in, in the on meantime, getting back to the hearings, the yes. impeachment hearing. Yeah. I forgot to mention mm-hmm. that uh, um, Sondland also said that Bolton. John Bolton. Yeah, John Bolton was in on the deal. Yeah. You know, they've been looking at him as the The savior, savior, what have you. Well, if he wasn't on the deal and he comes out and says he was in on the deal, then that would be a guy in the room. That would be firsthand. So Yeah, but he was in in on the deal. Yeah. I mean, not in the room. Well, I got to tell yeah. you guys, um, before we go to uh, Sergio's theory on Pete Buttigieg, which is sort of a warm-up for tonight's debate, I have to tell you that I have never been a fan of John Bolton. No. And the, the attempt by— Or as I like to call him, Wally Warris. Well, yeah, because he does with the the, the yeah. mustache. Well, as Trump said, he got a porn stash. He's got a porn stash. Well, Donald Trump. John Donald, Holmes had a better one. But th- this notion, which is so bizarre, that some Republicans are spreading to defend Donald Trump. Follow me. The the logic they're employing, they're taking a little bit from the left. They're saying that Donald Trump was standing up to warmongers uh, in the uh, bureaucracy, the bowels of the deep state, who wanted to uh, have regi- regime change wars throughout the world. And it was Donald Trump defying them. That's what he was essentially doing. And they're turning against him. And uh, exhibit A would be John Bolton. I just want to remind everybody, Yes, John Bolton absolutely was a warmonger, and John Bolton was behind uh, many of uh, George Bush's yeah. uh, regime yeah, yeah. change wars. But it was Donald Trump who saw John Bolton on TV and said, oh, I like his rhetoric. Right. I like how he stands up to Democrats. I like how he defends me. Right, Mamoro? Yeah, exactly. And I'm just going to pluck him from obscurity and bring him back into the White House. So it just, just shows you how they just twist things on a freaking dime. I know John Bolton, who I call the guy who gets sexually aroused by the idea of real war three. Well, you, th- you think it's sexual, man. That's a movie in itself. Uh, the, the twisted mind of John Bolton. Yeah, John Bolton. So the notion that the, somehow or other Donald Trump is standing up to the John Boltons of the world, when it was Donald Trump who but brought... Trump Don- has no core, no morals, no nothing, yeah. except for his white supremacy. He is a white supremacist. His, his major, his main advisor now, particularly on... Steve, uh, Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller. Oh, my goodness. I know. We were going to talk about Stephen. That is a really sick, twisted case. Stephen Miller. Uh, Funny to... And, press- yeah, and speaking of, of screwy defenses, um, they the people who pointed out that Miller's a white supremacist are being charged with being... Anti-Semitic. Yeah, because Stephen Miller's Semitic. Semitic. Stephen Miller's Jewish. Yes, so somehow is. or other, one of the defense that Donald Trump uses uh, if you attack Stephen Miller, you're anti-Semitic. It's similar to the Ben Carson thing. If you attack Ben Carson for being an absolutely do-nothing uh, secretary of the Department of Housing. Well, he's doing what he that, what they put him in the office to do. Then they say, yeah, you're anti-black. If you criticize Kanye West yes. for the, 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 the really weird twisted stuff he said right. about Donald Trump right. and wearing their MAGA hat, then you're anti-black. Yeah. So it's just like a, they're taking that same argument and trying to use it no, to... Because it's status debate. Status debate. Put people on the defensive. Right. All right. Uh, let's hear your Pete Buttigieg theory. And no, that I would, well, it's not a theory. But, but your it's, thoughts it's, and then get Monroe's comments. Well, I, I'm... 
getting kind of sick and tired. Okay, Pete Buttigieg right now is doing really well. Mm-hmm. Number one he, in the polls in Iowa. In Iowa. Mm-hmm. He's, Iowa. He's insurging. And the thing I keep hearing for the last few weeks is he would be on top if it wasn't for black people being so homophobic. And I'm sick and tired of us being blamed for everything. Now, wait a minute. You mean... Oh. Yeah, here's our next guest. It's okay. You were looking for this building, <laughs> yeah. after all. Um, I'm sick and tired of black people being blamed that it's your fault. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. You mean we're the only people... <laughs> black people are the only people who are, who, are, who are homophobic? You see, white people don't have it anymore? Asian people, Hispanic people. Now we're being blamed because Pete Buttigieg is not surging on the top. There are other reasons why he's not getting black support. It is not because supposedly we're all homophobic. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous. No, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's uh, That has been a recurring theme that I've been fighting for years. Uh, I think I've had this argument with Monroe uh, down through the years. Uh, this notion that somehow or other black voters are more homophobic than white voters or any other voters is absolutely absurd. And I can t- constantly put this out here, this challenge, which nobody can deliver. All right. Name one black elected official in the history of the United States. And I'll, I'll let it be an alderman, a state rep, a, a state senator, anyone who lost an election because he or she supported gay rights. You can't do it because it doesn't exist. It's not a driving uh, well, issue in the black community, it, and no, that's a not, fact. It's not an issue, period. Hey, nobody, nobody Nobody's voting on that. that. Exactly. They, 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 we got enough problems without dealing with sex. And so they, 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 we, they discuss um, poverty, discrimination. I mean, that's how you run in the black community. Well, you, don't, it, you don't run on, on um, sexual rights or anything like that because that's, that's, that's way down at the bottom. Yeah, so, so it to- and by the way. And, and Pete's problem yes, go is ahead. that he can't, he, he doesn't have any support in South Bend, among the blacks in South Bend. And Henry Davis. Um, because, of, because of the way he dogged out the police chief, he didn't handle that right. You started it. Yeah, right. right, right. You started it. Right, Henry Davis. Right. When you had him on your Three show. times he's been on. Right. We love well, Henry Davis. Three David. times now. He's been right. on three right. times. Right. Yeah. You started it. Yeah. Nobody so, said a thing until you had him on, and then it became. Now he's on Fox. He's Henry Davis. Is oh, he was on Fox? Yeah, he's on Fox. They, they were like, oh, let's get. You know, everybody's stealing from the Ben Jarofsky show. Right. Fox TV. Hey, let's get Henry Now, was Davis. he on Fox 32 or like Fox well, and no, Cable News? Like, as in well, Fox, we hate Democrats. Yeah. Fox. Well, if, yeah. if, if they steal me, it's going to cost them. Oh, my them. goodness. That'll, my head will <laughs> it's blow gonna, up. It's, it's going to cost them. They have to give me a, a, a million bucks. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, okay? Yes. There is no way. Monroe Anderson will ever be featured on Fox, National Fox. Right. They won't have you on. I know. Uh, I know. They, they, you are too, and been too consistently right. uh, oh. critical of Donald Trump. Right. They will never have you on. Right. They'll never give and, you that. And not only critically, cri- not not only critical, but brilliantly critical. Well, okay, that goes without <laughs> saying, right? You, I mean, the, I cut they to offer him chase. a lot of money. His excuse will be, "Well, they need an alternative voice." <laughs> No, they their alternative no, they, voices they, are not like right. they no, don't they give real they, alternative voices. Exactly, they won't pretend. They got these wimpy liberals that yeah, come yeah, on right, and get exactly. pounded, never yeah, fight exactly. back. Right, exactly. Uh, but getting back to Buttigieg, it's still he has 
What happened this summer that I talked about in August? Well, I can't remember. I can't when remember what gave, happened yesterday. No, you remember when he gave the, the big talk at the Higher Washington Oh, my God, yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, you were on the green August, line. And, yeah. And the green line. Yeah. And it was, all, it was all white people, right? In this meeting, it was basically kind of fundraiser, but speaking about his Douglas plan. Yeah, Frederick Douglas. And then he's God. talking about, gee, isn't it a shame that black people weren't here? You didn't. Tell anybody. Didn't Delmarie Cobb said she lives a block away. She didn't, didn't know, know about, about it. it. I live ten minutes away. I didn't know about it. Sergio, here's the deal. Any Democrat who is the nominee is anticipating overwhelming black vote. So a guy like if you're running Pete Buttigieg's campaign, I, their strategy is probably we're going to win this nomination without black votes, and then we're just going to turn on a you pivot. You can't win without black votes. I agree. You're going to say that? The, no, they would they never say? say that. But I think that's the underlying premise. I no, mean, they've made trying. nothing. Yeah, no, they're How trying it? now. Um, they're scouting out South Carolina. He's at one percent in South Carolina. I know. Buttigieg is at one percent. I'm saying they're scouting out, trying to figure out what to do about it. You know what he should know? Yeah, they know they can't can't get it. Without the black vote. Oh, you cannot win the Democratic nomination without the black vote. But they, but they now have Iowa nailed down pretty much. Because there's no black voters there right, no. to speak so of. Now they're, try, the they're trying to figure out. You know, and, and I've heard him address black issues. Yeah. And it, 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 he's very savvy in the discussion. But he's never done anything about it in reality. But he has. He, he knows how to say the right things. He has that down. When is when is the Iowa? February third. Okay. The uh, caucus Iowa. or the primary? Well, there is just a caucus in there Iowa. A it's just a caucus. There is no okay, Iowa okay, primary. Okay. Yeah, and okay. the Iowa they they moved it back in the past. It's been the first week of January, and now it'll be February. I can't believe I know this stuff. February third, and uh, and then they go on to New Hampshire, and then okay. after that. And, and by the way, why is it Vegas. that? They're always saying that he's the only one who's not getting black support. Neither is Kobachar, neither is Castro, neither is Booker, neither is Harris. Harris is dead. Hold on, hold on. Need a sip of that water? Ah, I'm drinking that Kamala Kool-Aid, and it's delicious, Sergio. Uh, uh, She's through. uh, She's finished. By the way, we have Robin Stevenson in the studio. We're going to bring her on real soon. We've been promising uh, her. We thought, for a second, I was panicking. I thought she might have gotten lost in traffic, but she fought the traffic. So we're going to bring her on. But when we're we're uh, done with this discussion about politics with Sergio uh, and Monroe Anderson, uh, and I'd say that the difference between Buttigieg and the other candidates when it comes to the black vote is this. I'm going to throw this out and get your reaction. And I'm thinking this up as I say it. But it's not just that he has no black uh, support. It's that there's opposition from black people. I, I think you would find it difficult to oh. find a, 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 for Buttigieg. I yeah. think it would be difficult to find like 20 black people in America that had a strong opinion one way or another about Amy Klobuchar. Right. Uh, or Michael Bennett or any of the other centrists who are running. But Mayor Pete was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Mm-hmm. I believe it's approximately, don't quote me on this, Sergio, uh, 20% black. 
Yeah. And he has I been in the mix. It's larger than that, maybe 30. 30%? Yeah. Okay, he has been in the middle of some very contentious relationships mm -hmm. with high-profile black people in South Bend, has not bent on any of those, has not shown until he was running, very similar to Michael Bloomberg, as mm -hmm. soon as he was running, I was asking about stop and frisk, yeah. as soon as he's running for president, all of a sudden he's worried about race relations. Right. And uh, so the, I think that, that's the difference that's, between... That's well, mighty white of them. That's Monroe Anderson, not me. I make the same argument about Kamala Harris. She got huge black opposition because of her record as a prosecutor, uh, attorney general in California. It is abysmal. She's calling herself a progressive. When you read her record, it's far from progressive. Mm -hmm. And she got a lot of black opposition from that. I don't care if you went to Howard. I don't care if every time you show up now, you got some black marching band from an HBCU. <laughs> That's not fooling anybody. We see you. Okay? Serge has been really consistent on this point oh, Monroe, for a long time. He's been so hard on Kamala Harris. I've always been trying to defend Kamala Harris. And she did graduate from Howard. And they have this big re reunion at Howard. I think it's every October or something like that. That's homecoming. And, and, and she's also yeah, she's always a, there. a Delta, I think. You you, or, 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 she's in the links. Uh, which is, well, which she's is also yeah, but she's also a a, a, a sorority, a black sorority. Right. Which is which is hooked to the boule, and don't get me started on the boule. All right, let's not get you started on that. Uh, we should move on, take a break, bring on Robin Stevenson to talk about kid activists uh, and the attempt to censor her. I put that in quotes because it didn't really work out. But this is one of my favorite themes, Sergio. You would really dig this too. Oh, absolutely. When uh, this is one of my favorite themes, I'm going to put this out so Robin Stevenson can hear my favorite theme, and maybe she'll disagree with me. But when it comes to like first. First Amendment issues, free expression issues in this country, Sergio Monroe, when the right complain, it's like, oh, well, that's their heartfelt religious convictions. You can't tell them what not to believe in, and you have to censor someone like Robin Stevenson. But when the left complains that the right is being nasty, rude, condescending, racist, homophobic, etc., oh, you're a snowflake, man it up, let us insult you. And that, my friend, is the great inconsistency on this debate. Uh, this is, you're being PC. You <laughs> That's know, what they say, man. I would say, I say that there is this increasing, and I've talked this with other people, this increasing tendency I've been seeing in like Facebook or Twitter to silence black thought. And I don't like it. And I have friends who, uh, I've been blocked three times. Last time because I said, I was blocked for a week on Twitter because I said some things about Candace Owens. Yes, I but, remember but, you got blocked. But, look, uh, but increase, I have one friend of mine who had a, a, a history website and she gets blocked all the time. Yeah. So, you know, I, I see this increasingly. All right, we're going to get it. Black. The next time you're on, we're going to get into that. We'll and let me just ahead. remind everybody that uh, Sergio will be returning at 4 o'clock today. We're going to do a taping of uh, a movie discussion on gangster flicks and, and the Irishman. Sergio, before you go, could you please just let everyone hear that awesome British accent uh, that you have again? What do you say, Mike? You, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Sergio Mims, ladies and gentlemen, Monroe Anderson, uh, they'll be doing a show at Zany's later tonight. Uh, all right, you don't say. Should we do a show at Zany's? We got Robert Stevenson on deck. We're going to bring her on when we return. 
The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. And for the record, I love puppies. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. I'm not running, but I'm going to keep uh, working and speaking and standing up for what I believe. I want to be sure that people understand I'm going to keep speaking out. I'm not going anywhere. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Robin Stevens. That was Hillary Clinton, correct? Yes. And, uh, correct. Is that a, a new quote? No, that was old. That's, That's an old I one? I just play random quotes oh, yeah. during the break. Because she said, I'm not running. But then lately she's been talking about perhaps she would run. Uh, Dennis is really excited about it. He has a uh, Run, Hillary, okay. Run t-shirt. Those and are lies. T- those are live. Uh, but hey, everybody, you're, uh, we're having a big conversation going on on the live stream chat room today. You people are awesome. Steven, Jay, Brianna, all of you. Hey, remember, ask us a question at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. Benny J Show at gmail.com. We're going to do a special where we're answering everybody's questions. So feel free. I'll remind you once again, I'll put it here on the uh, chat room again. Benny J Show at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, that was false about uh, Hillary Clinton, what Ben said. <laughs> oh, sorry, dude. Yeah, he does kind of love her a little bit. Anyway, uh, uh, Robin Stevenson, thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Uh, and uh, Rob, Robin Stevenson was the subject. I should just tell uh, uh, people if it maybe missed the article. There was an article, I want to say, in the Chicago Tribune about a week or so ago. And um, I can't remember who wrote the story. I'm really embarrassed. Oh, Heidi Stevens wrote the story. Very good story about uh, how the, the good folks in Wheaton at a public school in Wheaton, in their infinite wisdom, thought it was a good idea to disinvite her um, for making an appearance to talk about her book, Kid Activist. Uh, and we'll get into all the issues uh, embedded there. I've already sort of uh, Robin teased my worldview on this. And I, I urged you at the break to vigorously disagree with me if you have a different a point of view but just sort of introduce yourself to our uh, listeners a little bit you're a, uh you're an author ch- children's books talk a little bit about yourself and your career sure yeah um i'm an author from the west coast of canada i've written 25 books for kids and teens that range from board books for babies up through picture books early chapter books uh, middle grade fiction teen novels and also nonfiction for middle grade kids and teens and kid activists was just released in September, and it's the newest book in a series called Kid Legends, and uh, the series are all about famous people's lives when they were children, so mm-hmm. earlier books in the series were about scientists, athletes, um, artists, and so on, and this one is about activists, so it's a collection of short biographies of 16 different um, activists focusing on their childhood experiences. I detect just a bit 
like a British accent there? You say you're from Canada? Yeah. I'm, saying, I'm picking up a I little. Was, I was actually born in England. I moved to Canada when I was eight years old. And that doesn't happen very often anymore that people that people pick that up. Well, we so. apologize for our yeah. previous guest's uh, British accent. Sorry if yeah. I Was that insulting to you? Was, no, I thought he was pretty okay. good. Actually, I was <laughs> impressed. He started that off. He went on a riff uh, about Brexit. And then he just oh. picked up the mm-hmm. British accent and he called. So anyway, all right. So you, uh, this book is Kid Activists. And talk about some of the activists that you profile in this book. Yeah. Um, so the activists in the book are a pretty diverse group of people and um, represent a wide range of, of social justice movements. So um, it includes people like um, Frederick Douglass, Susan B. Anthony, Harvey Milk, Rosa Parks, James Baldwin, uh, Nelson Mandela, Janet Mock, Helen Keller, um, Ruby Bridges. Um, it ends with a chapter about Autumn Peltier, who's an indigenous teen who's been um, fighting to protect the water. She was just speaking at the UN when Greta Thunberg was, was speaking, but didn't get as much publicity as Greta, but is an amazing young woman who's been an activist since she was about eight, about eight years old. I think she's 15 now. So um, so it's a, yeah, it's a pretty diverse group of people throughout history, some people who are sort of contemporary um, and uh, yeah, like I said, focusing on what their childhood experiences were. So looking at what were some of the influences in their childhood that might have led them to become activists. I see. And so how did you determine which activists you would profile? Yeah, that was actually probably the, the hardest part at the beginning because we probably came up with about 50 names and then had to, to choose 16 um, to keep the book to an appropriate length. Um, so it was that was part of the challenge. For some people that I would have been interested in writing about, just, it was hard to get enough information about their childhood to be able to actually write mm-hmm. an engaging chapter. So that was one of the things, was is enough information available about this person's childhood? Um, but then within that, yeah, I wanted to be able to talk about um, civil rights, about um, you know worker rights, employment rights, environment, um, disability, um, gay rights, transgender rights. I wanted it to be a pretty broad spectrum of, of types of activism. And when did the book, when was the book published? Uh, it came out September 23. September of this year. Yep. And uh, so you were invited to come speak and or read a portion of the book to, at a school in Wheaton. Do I have this correct? Yeah, my publisher organized a tour. So I was in California for a week and then in the Chicago area for a week. And in each community, a local um, independent bookstore would would work with the school to arrange a visit. So the um, Wheaton visit would have been the first visit on the Chicago leg of, of the tour. Uh, had you ever heard of Wheaton? Uh, <laughs> I had not. On. You never heard of Wheaton. Okay, <laughs> it's not. all good. It's all yeah. good. Uh, so you have this invitation to come to Wheaton uh, to speak about kid activists. Now you were going to go to a school. Am I correct about that? Yeah, an elementary school. Ele- that's right. An elementary school in Wheaton. And what, how generally, how, what do you do when you visit schools? Do you read portions of the book or what do you do? I actually use PowerPoint because if the book's illustrated. It has sort of cartoon style illustrations. So I use PowerPoint to show some of the images from the book. Um, and with the talk that I was planning to do, because the book is, it's, you know, I can't talk about all of the people in the book. I was actually focusing on um, Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, um, James Baldwin, Dolores Huerta, and um, Autumn Pelche. And I was looking at some of the themes in the book. So for those five people, how they um, saw or experienced injustice as children, who some of the role models in their lives were that influenced them, um, how they sort of had a vision for how the future could look different, um, and how they found people to work with um, in order to bring about change. So that was sort of the focus of my presentation. Now, uh, how old were the kids in Wheaton that you were going to be addressing? 
Uh, grade three, four, and five. Three, four, and five. So do you make an attempt to uh, make these historical figures relevant to a, f- a fifth grader growing up in suburban Chicago in 2019? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I usually start by asking the kids, you know, okay, do you guys know who Rosa Parks is? And, and what did she do and what's she famous for? And, and usually there's at least a number of kids who do. And so I'll ask them to share what they know and we'll talk about that. And then I'll ask if they know what she was like when she was a little kid. And generally they don't because we don't tend to... to to learn that. And so I'll talk about the fact that she loved reading, that she loved um, fairy tales, that she didn't like sports, that she said if she tried to play sports, she always fell down and got hurt. So she Is wasn't. Really? Yeah, yeah, she wasn't. That. I didn't either. Um, she liked going fishing with her grandparents and she would like to put the, yeah, she would put the worm on the hook for her grandparents. And she figured that fish would like a lively worm best. So she would try and, you know, find a lively worm to put on the hook. And, you know, so just stories like that that are, are that kids can relate to. Because I think that if they can see that these people who made these, you know, big, big changes were once just kids like them, then it, maybe it makes them feel that their voices matter and that there's things that they can do. So, all right. And uh, so you're all set to give a, a talk uh, that's a sort of a conventional talk. Uh, I just on the surface can't see anything wrong with it, showing the relevancy of a very important historical historical figures to kids today. Uh, you're all set to give the talk. Then what happened? Um, I got an email from my publisher asking if Harvey Milk was one of the activists I was going to talk about. Um, you can see he's on the cover. He's one of the eight activists on the cover of the book. Thank you. And then um, I, I wrote back with the list of the activists that were included in my presentation. Um, and then I got an email later that night from my publisher saying that the school had decided to cancel the visit. Wow. And did you do a deep dive or ask the follow-up, like, why? Yeah, my publisher said it was because a parent had raised concerns about the inclusion of Harvey Milk in the book. One parent. As far as I know. That's got parents got, we call it in Chicago, a lot of juice, a lot of clout. Got a lot of clout. One parent makes a complaint about uh, uh, Harvey Milk. And I'll just read you the opening of the Harvey Milk chapter, um, because Maybe there's some people out here in our listener audience who never saw the movie or don't know who Harvey Milk is. Harvey Milk was a uh, was a gay rights activist and one of the first openly gay politicians to be elected to office in the United States. He won a seat on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in 1977, but was assassinated only a year later. I remember that when that that's how old I am, Robin. I remember <laughs> when he was assassinated for ten trivia points, Robin. Who uh, he was? There were two people assassinated with. Uh, uh, with <laughs> <laughs> pressures on. The pressures yes. on. Welcome to the show. Uh, <laughs> who else was assassinated by the same deranged uh, former alderman? Yes. From- Dan White assassinated both Harvey Milk and Mayor George Moscone. Excellent. And <laughs> who replaced Mayor George Moscone? Oh, my goodness. Uh, that I can't answer. Uh, but Elizabeth Austin can answer that question. Amp negatory. It would have been Diane Feinstein who, <laughs> at, at the Actually, time. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't even read the book. Okay, this is the stuff that I have up there, ladies and gentlemen. Man, they're never going to let me in Wheaton because I know stuff like uh, Ben. You know who replaced George Muscoe? Yeah, it was Diane Feinstein was. Don't quote me, but I think she was like the vice chair. Maybe she was this board of supervisor. And uh, when George Mus- uh, Crazy Dan White came in and he shot both uh, Harvey Milk and George Moscone. Oh, God, uh, this is flashback, Robin. I actually really remember this. 
and uh, and then Diane Feinstein like, sort of mm-hmm. launched her larger was a horrible horrible crime. Anyway, I um, he grew up in an era when gay people had no rights at all, and his fight for equality made him a hero to many in the LGBTQ community. That's the opening lead, and then it goes from there to tell the backstory. Um, what was the objection? Did they ever get more specific uh, with you in terms of what was it about Harvey Milk in particular that caused such consternation? I actually don't, I don't know um, and can't really comment on that. Um, I know that they have since said that they were also concerned about um, the inclusion of gender identity. Janet Mock is one of the activists in the book. Um, and that was also raised as a concern, but I can't really comment beyond that. So you don't, all you know is that the, there's a specific uh, objection to Harvey Milk. Uh, did, was there, so then what happened? Did, was that the end of the story or is there a happy ending to this? Um, well, the happy ending is this is seven weeks later and I've been invited back down to Illinois by um, Rep- Representative Tara Costa Howard mm-hmm. um, and Equality Illinois. Um, Discovery DuPage and Western Hotels have sponsored that trip. Um, so I'm back in town. I'm going to be speaking tonight at Glenbard West High School at 7 p.m. Um, and doing a book signing at 5 p.m. at the bookstore of Glen Ellen. So I'm really happy to be back in the area and speaking about the book after all. So in other words, there were some people in the larger Wheaton community who felt as though uh, this was inappropriate yeah. to ban your book. Yeah. And so they wanted to show that uh, Wheatonians, I just made that word up, I don't even know if it's a real one. Uh, Wheatonians do not all agree with some anonymous caller. Yeah, a few uh, weeks after the, t- uh, after the talk was canceled, I got an email from a student in the district um, who was a, is part of the LGBTQ community who had heard about what had happened and was very upset. Mm-hmm. So I decided to write an open letter to the school district, but also publish it on my website outlining why I thought it was um, problematic that they had made this decision. Um, and as a result of that open letter, I got a lot of um, letters of support from Wheaton, from, from parents, from teachers, from students, from graduates, who very much want to see schools be inclusive and be celebrating diversity and be talking about human rights and social justice and so on. So I think there's obviously a lot of support in the area. Uh, now I'm going to play devil's advocate with you. Uh, I, I see there's no, I didn't detect, I'm looking at these names, I don't see, there's no uh, a conservative or right-wing uh, activists uh, chronicled in this book. Do you feel that you've been, un, you've unfairly uh, dis, uh, ignored them? Uh, <laughs> um, like who? Uh, I'm trying to think of a, uh, an activist from the right. Stephen Miller, there's a name that's been on our... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Stephen Miller, he's a hero. Stephen Miller, for our listeners out there, is uh, he's a young guy. He's in his 30s, I want to say. Uh, a Jewish fella from uh, Southern California. And he grew up in a uh, basically liberal environment. And somehow or other, he came to the conclusion that white supremacy was an ideology he was going to follow. Hey, it's America. You're free to come up with anything you want. So he decided that it would be a good idea to launch a political career dedicated to promoting white supremacy. Right. Uh, and he has gone to the top. He's now one of the most influential thinkers, if I could use such a term, in the Donald Trump White House. So had you ever given any consideration to profiling Stephen Miller? No, I would not be wanting to give his um, views a platform. 
um, I, people in the book are all people who fought for human rights, who fought for equality, who fought for social justice, um, who fought to make the world better. Um, As opposed to fighting against human rights and making the world, trying to make the world worse. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so anyway, so ends my devil. I'm trying my best <laughs> to be the devil's advocate here. But no, uh, you have Alexander Hamilton uh, here. Now, why did you choose Alexander Hamilton? As actually, a- that's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm Canadian. And so I actually didn't know a whole lot about Alexander Hamilton. Um, and that was one of the names suggested by my publisher. Um, because these books are used in the classroom a lot. And I think that there's some interest in, you know, what are some of the historical figures that kids are studying in school? Mm-hmm. Alexander Hamilton being one of those. And it was an interesting one for me because um, I actually knew very little about Alexander Hamilton. So um, it was quite interesting reading about his childhood and his life and so on. He would have been one of the people in the book that I knew less about, for sure. And Nelson Mandela, of course, is uh, here. And why did you choose Nelson Mandela? Yeah, so most of the people in the book are North American. There's just a, a few that are not. Um, and Nelson Mandela I chose because um, I wanted to be able to talk about um, I, I mean I think there's been a number of sort of independence movements in different countries around the world and obviously we couldn't include all of them but fighting against apartheid um, I think was you know such a, a huge contribution and he's somebody that, that that suffered so much and spent you know decades in jail because of his beliefs because of his activism um, and yet made such a huge contribution um, and I don't know that kids are aware of his story. He's not necessarily someone that kids are going to, in, in, you know, are going to have studied. So. And one of the, you, you mentioned James Baldwin. He's one of my heroes. Mine from too. Back <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, why'd you include him? It, he was one of, I, as, a, as a sort of first year university student, I fell in love with his writing. Um, so he was somebody that also was one of my heroes from, from way back. Um, and I think just a really important voice in terms of the civil rights movement and just an incredible human being. So I was really excited to learn more about him and about his childhood. He's also gay, and now he didn't make a big issue of that in mm-hmm. his uh, writing, and he was not known as a quote-unquote gay activist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting that the this unnamed parent objected to Harvey Milk, who is an out uh, uh, out of the closet gay activist promoting gay political rights in San Francisco, but made no mention of James Baldwin, raises the possibility uh, that he or she, whoever it is, did not even know that James Baldwin was gay. Right, absolutely. I, I mean, I think that Harvey Milk is on the cover with and is holding a little rainbow flag. Oh, that's a so that telltale with, sign. I, yeah, <laughs> um, but um, but Janet Janet Mock is in the book as a, who's a transgender woman. James Baldwin, who's gay or maybe bisexual, is is included in the book. Um, and uh, yeah, that that wasn't uh, is perhaps you know if you, if you're not familiar with these people, you might not have been aware of that about about those two people. All right. Well, let's uh, get to my uh, my thesis and. Uh, my thesis, by the way, I just before I get to my thesis, I have to tell you, there was something very similar to this that happened in Chicago. And I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, you're from Canada, and I don't know if this news made it. Uh, there is a great uh, young adult, uh, it's what they, I call a comic book, but there's a different term that they call it today. Graphic novel? Thank you. Uh, Elizabeth Austin knows everything. Mm-hmm. Graphic novel. And uh, a graphic novel called Persepolis. Oh, yes. I know it well. In, yes. Okay. It's been a memoir. Graphic it's memoir. It's a memoir. About Iran, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's a fantastic book. I recommend it to absolutely everyone. About five years ago, I'm not making this up, uh, uh, Robin, in the city of Chicago, a parent complained about one image in the book, in the graphic novel, uh, which showed a prisoner being tortured by being urinated on. There was one image uh, in the tremendous, uh, in a book about uh, the political oppression in Iran, uh, and 
it was pulled, ordered, somehow or other. That, that one phone call triggered a response uh, in the Chicago public school system, then led by a mayor named Rahm Emanuel, you probably never heard of before. Anyway, uh, that triggered a response where the librarians and the were ordered to remove the book from their library. Can you believe this? In the 21st century in the city of Chicago, the word got out, the, the kids started protesting, they took to the streets, uh, teachers stood up to a very courageous moment. And finally, the city of Chicago backed off on it. And they, well, you know, you, know, God, you know how they do it when they get caught doing something they shouldn't do, they come up with some excuse, well, that really wasn't how it. Anyway, they backed off on it. So it's not, I, I just wanna say to the good people of Wheaton, you know, I'm not picking on you. I was blasting the city of Chicago when they did this about five years ago. So in some ways, people in Chicago are, are no better than Wheaton, but it's the same impulse. And this is what if somebody complains that their religious convictions or beliefs are uh, insulted or violated by, let's say, a reference to a story about Harvey Milk and uh, what a great social justice activist he was then somehow we have to take that seriously and censor the book. But if a lefty says, I'm insulted because what? P fill in the blanks. The, you're allowing uh, uh, some right-wing activist to denounce me, say nasty things about me, then they're being a snowflake. I feel this is a little difficult uh, to ask or this, to deal with this is such a double standard. Do you yes. agree with me? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a lot of a lot of um, hypocrisy, and I, for I mean, in terms of children's books, um, I think a, a number of the most challenged books are books with LGBTQ content. Um, which I think are books that are, are really important that those books be in the schools, that kids need those books and teens need those books, and that um, you know parents certainly are free to, to say what they want to their own children and teach their children what they, what they want, but I don't think they should be able to prevent other kids in the school from accessing um, books that they, that they need and books that are important to them. Um, so I think that, yes, it's often the people who are, are talking very loudly about freedom of speech who are also objecting to... Um, LGBTQ inclusion mm -hmm. and uh, and talking about snowflakes when somebody else is insulted but when they're insulted it's oh well come on this is my religious beliefs my you're really coming to my hardcore mm -hmm. all right uh, Robin Stevenson is her name s-t-e-v-e-n-s-o-n kid activists is the name of the book uh, give out any information Robin you want to give about uh, where you're going to be speaking or where any website any information folks want to get a copy of kid activists true tales of childhood from champions of change sure yeah my website is uh, robinstevenson.com I'll be speaking tonight at the uh, Glenbard West High School in Glen Allen at 7 p.m. Um, you can also find me on Facebook Twitter and Instagram all right, very good, Robin Stevenson. I want to I give a shout out to the Chicago Tribune. Uh, they're the ones who sort of sounded the alarm on this. And I give the Chicago Tribune, you should know this, Robin, uh, so much grief about their dumb editorials, okay? But uh, kudos to Heidi. That was a great story. Got the word out. And uh, give her a raise, Chicago <laughs> Tribune. That was an awesome story. I really, I loved what she wrote. And she, she's done a follow-up story. I think just yesterday as well, and, and ended with a quote from a parent, which I thought just summed this up really well about that, you know, as parents, and I'm a parent, I have a 15 year old, that our job is not to sort of 
um, control what they hear or prepare them for every possible conversation, but to have a relationship with them so that they feel comfortable to ask questions and to talk to us um, and to um, to have that kind of you know trusting relationship and then to um, not not try to prevent them from accessing information. Absolutely. By the way, she the, said it better than me, but yeah, I, I'm gonna just put this out there as an old guy who's raised kids. If you think you can control what your kid is gonna watch, read, saw, oh my goodness, man, you are so fooled. Don't kid yourself. Don't fool yourself. Robin Stevenson, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate it. Kid activist, true tales of childhood from champions of change. Cool book. Thank you, Mary. Thank Robin. you so much. Also want to thank Sergio Mims and Monroe Anderson. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton. Back home in Alton, Robin, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download podcasts. Downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Check it out sometime at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Follow us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show on both Facebook and Twitter. The Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram. And hey, like I said, all next week, we're not doing a live show, but we're going to have Benny J bonus interviews and Benny J bonus shows to play for all of you. And one that we're doing is uh, a Q&A. So feel free to uh, ask us whatever question you have at or, or it's Benny J show at gmail.com. Benny J show at gmail.com. We will see everybody on Thursday.